You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. I... <laughs> I am in East Tennessee. Whew, man, halfway between Chattanooga and Knoxville on Watts Bar Lake, where my family has a lake house. And it's 4th of July weekend, so it's a little crazy out there on the lake this week. But it's a, it's a huge, huge lake. And it's like a mile across. It's pretty awesome. And... We are going to uh, talk a little bit about being here at the lake, things that are going on, and then also have a little bit of triathlon news, and then also we have a really cool interview with Tina and Ann, and Tina, they're a duo uh, in triathlon, and Tina is blind, and she is a, uh, she's going to race Kona. And Anne is going to uh, be her be her guide, you know, where they're attached together um, with a bungee cord on the swim and and uh, riding the uh, tandem on the on the bike. And I'm not sure how they're staying together on the run. I've done a, um, a half marathon helping a blind lady. Um, that was really cool one time. And uh, we tied our wrists together with a string, and that was pretty cool. So it's a really cool interview. And they've actually been on a couple other shows already um, talking about this. And uh, it's just more of the story, and it's so interesting and so motivational to uh, hear people doing this kind of thing. And I guess uh, before we get into the news... I'll tell you a little bit more about where I am. We're in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. It's really vertical uh, where I'm at. Um, the lake house is on a bluff overlooking the, uh, the water, and it's uh, the Tennessee River um, is what made the lake. And well, the dam is the Watts Bar Dam is what made the lake. But I grew up coming here all the time as a kid, and I actually grew up in the southeast Tennessee, Alabama stuff, and. Um, this is kind of like home to me. It's thick, thick, thick forest. Um, uh, really hilly, even to uh, mountainous. Uh, lush, really lush. Rains a lot. Um, not too hot, although it does get pretty warm sometimes. And not too cold, even though it snows. And it's just perfect. It's like the most beautiful place in the world. And you can hear, I'm walking on a gravel road. And this is the... Uh, the loop that um, the house is on, and I went running this morning, and in I, went, I ran for an hour and covered 5.6 miles and went over 720 something feet vertical altitude gain, elevation gain around here. It's crazy. We often talk about having a triathlon camp out here, but um, it's so challenging and so. Um, it's kind of remote. It's you know, it's an hour and fifteen minutes from any airport from Knoxville and from Chattanooga. But I don't know, maybe, maybe people would be into that. Um, but let's see. I ran this morning and then um, 
What was the other thing I did? I swam uh, this morning as well to the island, and it's almost a mile, so I swam there and back. I got my brother to drive the boat while Kai and Emily and my brother's son, my nephew, all hung out in the boat. And we swam. I swam there, and uh, when we got to the uh, island, there's a little beach. It's only like 100 feet across because it's an island, you know. It's, it's just uh, not much there. And um, there's two other boats and all these kids and, like, uh, dogs, <laughs> two dogs. And what's really cool about that island is there's old Indian burial mounds on it. So we talk about it being haunted all the time. And we talk about this house being... Um, uh, the whole woods out here, I grew up with my grandparents telling me there's trolls everywhere. It's really cool. But like right now, I'm looking at uh, looking at deep forest. Oh, there's caves everywhere. And uh, like the embankment on the road is taller than I am. It's like 10, 12 feet up. And it's covered in ferns. So if you're a fan of like where the red fern grows, things like that, this is the kind of place that we're in. It's really magical. But uh, the lake has actually got a lot of traffic on it. Um, you might hear a little bit of boat traffic as I walk down. In fact, it, last night was 4th of July fireworks, and um, I tried to record the intro to the podcast back then, and I successfully recorded it, but it was so loud with the tree frogs and the cicadas and the, the boats and the fireworks that I'm not going to use it as the official intro, but I thought you'd like to hear it. <laughs> Let's play it. Here you go. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and stud ets. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and Yard of Triathlon. We are in East Tennessee, halfway between Chattanooga and Knoxville on Watts Bar Lake at my grandparents' old lake house. And it's the night of the 4th of July. And you can hear the tree frogs going because we're in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains on this big, beautiful lake. And you can hear the uh, fireworks on the... Um... All right, how about that? <laughs> it's a little wild, man. It's a lot of noise for a secluded place. It really is secluded, super secluded most of the time. It's lovely. And oh, here goes a car. You get like 10 cars a day. Oh, it's just the mailman. And um, I also want to say that uh, along with all the fun and the news and the everything, um, the music I'm using... This week is uh, Biba by Pant or yeah Biba by Panty Raid, which is a funny name for a band, and uh, it's really cool music. So if you like it and you want to go get it, that's what it is. I got mine off Amazon. All right, well, with all that, let's get started with the news. All right, we are down at the waterfront. You can hear the uh, waves splashing into the rocks, maybe, and. Off to my left, I can see mountains up uh, kind of aiming towards Knoxville a little bit. And uh, in front of me, the lake, and then, uh, gosh, it's two miles away, the far, far shore, maybe three miles, something like that. It's a huge, huge lake. Anyway, the um, it's like 68 miles long or something. It's really big. Um, let's go ahead and cover some of the news. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> Let's do the funny one first. Sony uh, has decided to try attaching uh, cams, their own version of the GoPro, and uh, to sheep for the Tour de France. And I'm not sure where along the course this is going to happen, but if you Google uh, Sony sheep Tour de France camera, 
than uh, NVIDIA uh, in there. You'll, you'll find an update about it and uh, what's going on. And the tour just started today. <laughs> and then I'm watching right now the speedboat is pulling Emily on, a, on an inner tube behind them, uh, right in front of the dock. Well, kind of far out. So. And Emily's trying to sit on it to see what happens instead of laying on it. She's screaming. <laughs> I think she's shaking her head. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> and Kai and uh, Hudson, my nephew, are in the boat with them. It's pretty funny. And hold on, this is really distracting. This is outrageous looking. Let's see if she falls off. Anyway, um, so I don't know if this is really going to work with the sheep thing. Uh, watch the tour and see. <laughs> Emily's screaming. Watch the tour and uh, and see what happens. And uh, with all this, oh man, the Tour de France. Yeah, it's just started today and we'll see what happens. Okay, um, also Leander Cave got disqualified at Ironman France. And actually, I forgot to mention, you can uh, catch a whole lot more detailed news uh, for this week over at Endurance Planet. I'm on the Endurance Planet podcast with Tawny and I did the uh, multi-sport news with her. It was pretty good. And yeah, Leander Cave uh, didn't wear her bike number on the bike and um, didn't wear a number while on the bike. And that's an automatic DQ from the race. So that really sucks. And more, more uh, ammo for the uh, argument to uh, consolidate rules on triathlon across the world so that we don't have these silly uh, problems with different rules and people getting disqualified for something that doesn't really affect anything. Okay, I noticed that MACA was in Houston, Houston, for um, a, a set of meetings. He posted on Twitter, here I am in Houston in some meetings, and he was in an office building on a skys- in a skyscraper in the kind of near the downtown area. And the, um, the thing that crossed my mind was, what's he doing in Houston doing, doing meetings? You know, and he's a huge, he's a uh, a huge deal with uh, Challenge, which is an Ironman brand competitor, and it made me wonder: is uh, is Challenge going to be bringing a race to the Houston area? And if so, when would they have it? Where would they have it? Right? That'd be pretty cool, right? Anyway, there was that. And then also the biggest news that I've come across that's really going to affect pretty much every triathlete, every guy triathlete, is the um, the news that Specialized did uh, wind tunnel testing on shaved versus non-shaved legs. And they did a pretty good test. And, you know, with, with a fair enough amount of samples and um, using the correct measuring techniques that... Um, it basically was somewhere like a minute to a minute and a half per uh, 40k. So, what is that? 5k is 30 miles, so 20 miles maybe, something like that. 20, 22 miles for a 40k. Anyway, it's a big, big deal. Um, it's something like, I would say, that's somewhere around 10 watts, maybe. Maybe 5, five to 15 watts, somewhere in that range, depending on how hairy you are. And um, I'm definitely going, I've been a hairy leg triathlete for a long time. And because I'm really, I don't do the leg massage thing and I don't crash all that much. It's pretty safe where I ride. I'm, re- I'm really used to the route. 
so I don't I don't like to ride in dangerous stuff so I don't wreck all that often so I've just left my legs hairy and thought eh whatever and no it's not eh whatever it's a big deal <laughs> it's a really big deal so over an Ironman you're talking uh, uh, times you're talking five six minutes man I mean theoretically maybe and this is uh, this is something easy to do and the other thing is uh, we, we often get uh, kind of kludgy with our mindset. Things have to be all one way or all the other. No, uh, Zen is appropriate response. So what you could do is say, um, you know, just shave uh, for the races, you know, and leave your legs hairy and uh, for training. And in fact, because it does make such a big difference, maybe we'll start with a culture of... of uh, leaving legs hairy for training and then shaving them for race day. And, uh, and that's the cool thing to do, you know? Anyway, that'd be pretty freaking neat. I don't, I'm not even big into shaving my legs for, um, all the way with a razor. I'd just shave them with a, um, with clippers, you know, far all the way down. Maybe that'll, that'll do it. I don't get all into the shaving thing. All right. But anyway, that's the news. And now I'm looking out. There's three pontoon boats pulling people on tubes in my in my area of vision over here. It's pretty cool. All right. And I feel like that pretty soon we're going to get some people coming back across. Let's go ahead and start with our interview with Tina and Ann. And they were actually, uh, when we recorded this interview, they were about to go do Challenge Atlantic City, and they did do Challenge Atlantic City, I got an email update from them saying they did a really good uh, race, everything went fine, so uh, Kona is on, it's looking good, so keep that in mind when you're listening to this interview, and let's catch up a little bit after they're done. Okay, here we go. Hi, Tina. Hey, Fred, are you there? I'm here. Are y'all there? Yes, yep. Tina's on the line. <laughs> is that Tina? This is me. All right, cool. I can hear you both just fine, I think. Good. Cool. Now you can hit record. Okay. So, Tina, oh, wait, 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 edit that out. Um, edit that out. Tina, so at the end, we'll yeah, edit all of that. At the very end, we will pretend to hang up, say goodbye, but don't actually hang up. Stand the line, and then we'll he'll stop recording, and then we'll we can chat some more. Oh, okay. Ready? Ready. Take one. Set. Go. <laughs> All right. I'm here with Tina Ament. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. And Anne, how do you, Anne? How do you say your last name, Coach Anne? Oh. I knew that was going to trip you up. Yeah. Yes, Coach Ann. And Tilgis. Tilgis. I don't know. Thilgis. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's what I was going for. No, no. no. Well, and, and, and the, the guys on I Am Talk, they they say my name every now and then. And every time they say my name, they say it totally, totally differently. So um, it's Tilgis. Okay. Well, cool. And you are on the show because this this is a really interesting story. Um Tina is blind, and Anne 
helps helps her out in the in triathlons. You've done two so far together, or how many? That's right. Anne's guided for two of my triathlons: a sprint two. distance and Ironman Florida. And Ironman Florida, and um, and this is so cool. Tina got a lottery spot to Kona, so this will be your this will be the first ever female. Um, what was it called? What's is it? Dual. Um, I'm struggling with the words to describe it. This is so cool. <laughs> no, so I it's so new that, yeah. that there probably perhaps isn't officially a word. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to coin it. So female. So I'll be the I'll be the first dual. American blind woman to do Kona, and the first blind woman, as far as I know, to do Kona with a female guide. Oh, cool. All right. This is this is crazy. I've I've actually helped somebody um, that was blind run a half marathon, and um, huh. it was it was so entertaining actually for the both of us because. Well, tell us how did how did you get how did you get connected with that person? Um, I put on a triathlon camp, and uh, she came to the camp, and um, so other coaches at the camp uh, rode a tandem right with her. And uh, she's from New York as well. And um, uh, she called me um, about a year after the camp and said she wanted to come run a half, the half marathon that was here in my town. And then uh, would, I, would I guide her through the half marathon? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to. And um, the, the funny part of the story was uh, she said... Well, as we got ready, you know, she tied. There was a string that she tied between my wrist and hers. And and I said, um, so is, is this going to help you? And she goes, No, it's not really for me so much as it's to tell other people <laughs> that we're connected. God, that's a good point. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's what I tell Tina. We always have to be dressed alike and so forth because people need to know that we're together. They need to know that they can't come between us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have had people. I have had people when I've been out on the trail running because I use a bungee cord that we hold at the wrist, just like you're talking about. Right. And one kid ran past us and asked my guide if he was arresting me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Yes, I'm, I've been very bad." <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um But it's interesting what you say it's interesting what you say about how you connected and the reason I asked that question is because that's the one thing that's um that has interested me is that the connections that we make, me as a guide and I think Tina, you know, even as a blind person and you know, all of these connections seem to be very informal. Just, right. you know, kind of through someone that they know or through reaching out. And so, um, yeah, because people are always asking me, they, they'll tell me, I want to be a guide. How do I be a guide? And uh, that's the one thing that I, it's always on my mind. How can we try to connect more of these people who want to be guides with people who want to be more active? So. Yeah, I, you know, uh, um, I really recommend it to people. It's it's a ton of fun and it's... Um, it's a it's a challenge all in its own. It's a different kind of challenge. And on my wall at work, I have a picture of me, you know, doing an Ironman, and my hands over my head. And then my other picture I have up is of me guiding that that woman through the uh, through a half marathon. You know, to me, they were both like one of the high points of my life to be able to help somebody out, do something like that. You know, 
Um, so how did you that's how did cool. you two meet? And, well, and, and that brings we met through um, a mutual friend who is one of the co-directors of Team Red, White, and Blue. Yeah. Um, so she uh, actually and and I had met her earlier through the See Different Foundation, which is a group that actually works to pair blind triathletes with guides and and uh, resources. And that's one place that I would encourage people to look into if they're looking to get into guiding uh, them and Achilles International okay. are two organizations that already exist and that they're they're somewhat informal, but they do um, you know try to help people as far as resources, explaining even how you would do a triathlon. Um, I remember asking, you know, I don't understand how you could possibly do the swim when I first talked to somebody <laughs> from C Different. Yeah, um, I got And so then many also they, <laughs> they sort of find people all over the country who yeah. might be able to, to guide. If you say, well, I'm from, you know, Santa Cruz, California, you know, is there anybody in my area? They would uh-huh. know if there was somebody who would ever talk to them who they might be able to pair you up with. So that's how I met Carolyn, and then through Carolyn, who lived in New York City, I met Anne. So it's like yeah, you and I, I want to give a. I'd like to give a shout out to it's, it's Carolyn Gaynor, and um, she's very very active with the team Red, White, and Blue team RWB, yeah, uh, which is growing by leaps and bounds right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a very but popular team. Carolyn is just so so active. She's so she's such a recruiter, and she's just recruiting so many people, um, of, you know, of all different types into the sport. And so, um, and in fact, just today, she uh, guided another blind athlete, Amy Dixon, in uh, in a, a sprint race in Texas. And so, um, yeah, there's, I mean, it's really starting to grow, and it's really exciting right now. Yeah. Carolyn's also guided um, three different blind athletes in Ironman races. Oh, wow. You know the 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 run. I can I can see how that you know how that worked because I've done it. Although it was, I had to be coached and and I could see, um, I had to be talked, you know, down from like there's no way that we could do this to like no, it's no big deal at all. And then um, um, and then one time it was really funny. One time I got distracted and and she tripped, <laughs> but she didn't fall. But. <laughs> And then, because I, I lot, I've never done it before, and I I got caught up in the race, you know, and I was like looking at something, and and she uh, tripped over like a pebble or something, or a little pothole, and then uh, that was it though. And then, um, and and uh, on the bike, I can see, you know, it's a tandem, and I could see how that isn't too much of a of a pro- of a problem or difficult. But then, yeah, the swim. How do you do the swim? Or, do you, does somebody talk to you or, or what? Well, we have a, uh, I have a, uh, a swim tether that we, that's that so far the one I've been using, we tie it around our waists and mm-hmm. then it has a couple feet of line in between and then it'll stretch. So if, uh, if we start to get separated, it'll pull, you know, right. me back into the direction where, where the guide is. The only problem with it is if you have guides of really dis- disparate height or um, if the guide gets like fired up and starts to swim ahead, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Which I've had some, pe- particularly people who've been competitive swimmers before. If we get into open water and they see it's a race and they just start swimming, and suddenly <laughs> they're so far ahead of me that the bungee's at an angle, and then yeah. I can't even get like the arm out of the water that's on that side. Um, so uh, I think Ann and I are going to try an experiment with one that ties around your legs instead of your waist and see if that works. Uh, a little bit better to uh, avoid some of the entanglement yeah. problems. 
Um, and, of course, the other issue is that swimmers will try to come between you. Um, I did a triathlon yesterday, and they, everybody wanted to swim between us. Uh, yeah. It was a really, really crowded swim course, and people would look, and they'd see a hole, and they would start to come, and you're having to lift up your head and go, no, you can't go there. You really don't <laughs> want to go there. No. Yeah. Um, and... Well, I was just um, I was yeah, just, just swimming with my son in a lake, and the um, we tied a uh, some parachute cord to his ankle, and then a key a floating keychain thing to the end of that, and um, in case he went under, so I could just grab something and pull him back up because you, you can't see in this lake. There's no visibility at all, and um, we were laughing about how it was just a hacked together, you know, method for. <laughs> for watching over your child, <laughs> and uh, but I, I'm picturing this, and I'm just I'm, I'm picturing Kai going under, and you just grabbing him by the ankle. <laughs> yeah, it was this this floaty that was on his ankle. Yeah, and um, so one time he got, I let him get in front of me, and then I pulled on the string. You know, it pulled him backwards, and uh, he laughed and, and stuff, and and he said it it got caught around his 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 legs some, but not that bad. You know. And, um, yeah, I could see, like, if you did around the foot or around the knee or something like that, you could, you could, um, you could feel if somebody's kind of pulling away, but it wouldn't get caught, yeah, like you're saying, not caught up in your arms. Yeah, we're going to try it around our, our thigh. Yeah. It, you know, the, the, the question is whether it will slip down our leg or not. So we're going to try that before, because we, before Kona, we actually were going to do, uh, the challenge Atlantic City, which is at the end of June. So that's the full iron distance. Right. It's the new challenge race. And uh, so, uh, so, yeah, we've got a little practicing to do before that race, and then that's going to prepare us for Kona for sure. So, um, yeah, they make um, them. Yeah, make and I think, they have, I think they have a swim practice every day yeah. for that one leading up to the race. So if we can rig up some new kind of a tether, we can give it a try on the swim practice and see how it goes. And, you know, I'll take the old one as a backup. But there's, there's uh, talking about the swim. There's one thing that I I wanted to make a comment on, uh-huh. um, because it makes me think of every triathlete. Not every, many many triathletes. They they kind of moan about, oh my swim could be so much better. I just mm-hmm. can't swim in a straight line. Yada yada yada. And I just want to let everyone know that Tina can swim in a very straight line. When I swim with her, I don't have to pull or you know, call out to her at all. She swims in a very straight line. So if Tina can do it blind, I don't know what all the other triathletes are voting about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, people swim in the pool a lot. They get used to watching that black line and then not going by feel, you know. And then um, so then when they get into open water where they can't see as well, they veer off cause, and it takes practice. So Tina's got a lot of practice. <laughs> Having to go straight by feel. Not looking at the black line. Yeah, you got a lot of practice with that. Yeah, well, I I just sort of hug the lane line in the pool. Um, You know, so even if there's no one else in my lane, I'll usually swim circle, so I'm hugging the lane line on, you know, on my left-hand side or whatever so that I know that I'm going in a straight line. So hopefully that just gets me attuned to swimming straight and then translates better into the open water. So, Tina, how many many, um, years have you been doing triathlon stuff? Uh, I've been doing tries since 2010, and okay. I did my first Ironman in 2011. Wow, you you hopped right up to the big, the big distance. So, 
Yeah, I mean, part of that is I'm on a tri club that where a lot of the people do Ironmans, uh-huh. and so you know, once I sort of gotten into the listening to them all chatter about it, you know, it was sort of well, all the other kids are doing it. I guess I will. <laughs> um, and I went down and did. Um, there's a race in North Carolina called Beach to Battleship. That's an iron distance race, right. and they have a relay. So I went down and did swim part of the relay to convince myself that I could actually finish an uh-huh. Ironman swim before I would sign up for one. I it was decided, you know, if I if I really can't get through that, then maybe it's not a good idea. And right. that went okay. And so I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I've run marathons already, and I've ridden a century ride, so I guess I can do an Ironman. Yeah. On the uh, what, what do you do on the bike um, when you ride tandem? How how are those bikes engineered? Does the do you both get to give the same amount of effort, and that's that's okay within the rules, or does one person have to just steer while the other person I don't or the other person pedals or something? I don't know how how it works. I wish that was the case. I'd stick my feet up and let Tina do all the pedals. You just have pegs and you just ride. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I'll just steer. Tina, you pedal. <laughs> they um our, our pedals are are on the same uh they they all work together so right. we ride with the same cadence and um and hopefully the same amount of effort although Anne's a deal stronger cyclist than I am so yeah. I'm sure that she ends up putting in more of it but then she does the steering and the gearing uh-huh. although I do know some partially blind athletes who switch their tandem so that they shift the gears in the back oh cool yeah. um I can't, can't I can't see any point to that because I can't see anything, so I would always be late, having to be guided on when to shift. And if yeah. you, by the time if you've given the command, you might be too late yeah. like, to get there's, up a hill or something. There's a hill coming up. Wait, not that big of a hill. <laughs> Wait, less of a hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so when you're out on the bike, how do you what, – what is it like um, going by feel and like um, – I, I know I used to – uh, ride a motorcycle a lot and and also riding a bicycle the difference between a car and and being out exposed in the open you can feel like so much more you know the temperatures change and the smells and like the sunshine you know and and i used to run barefoot a lot and there's a whole lot more going on that people have no idea like you can feel the pavement change heat you know like temperature from being exposed to the sun and not and like the different textures and stuff and so it like it's amazing like when you when you turn off one sense like all the other things that you can feel like out, out on a bike ride like what is what is like a a three four five hour bike ride to you like like uh, are you totally enveloped in like the different temperatures and the which way the wind's blowing and the the um the smells and everything or or what do you think of or what do you feel like the whole time it kind of depends. If I'm in a race, um, then I'm kind of more worried about, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to hear my guy be saying, on your left, on your left, a whole bunch of times, <laughs> which means that we're passing other people. Yeah, yeah. And not hearing the cycle Somebody noise going by it. on the right, like, especially the really noisy tri-bikes that mm-hmm. you can, you know, you hear them coming, they're, they're, you know, a mile away, they're sort of like snowboards on the uh-huh. ski mountain. Right. You hear them coming, like, before, long before they get near you. Right. Um... And, you know, so that's, you know, and, and then, of course, most of my pilots will tell me, you know, if there's hills coming or whatever. And, and if, it's, if it's a course I know, they might just have to say, oh, well, here's the 
such and such a barn or you know or whatever. Uh-huh. But other than that, if we're just out um, uh, over Memorial Day, I went and did a 50 mile ride out in the country and uh, west of here um, mm-hmm. in the in country in horse country in Virginia. Right. And so, you know, she would say, "Oh, look, it's cows," or you know, we, we saw cows, we saw some horses. Um, and you know, we usually try to moo at the cows. Uh-huh. Um, that's sort of a tradition on with most of my pilots that yeah. we do. I do the same thing. Um, and it is interesting, like you say, because um, if I do a course with loops and there's any kind of like horse barn on it or something, I'll remember, okay, this is the part that smells like the horse barn. That means we're this many miles away or this many miles Oh, in. cool. So, um, yeah, you can do distance by smells. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. only if there only if there's some convenient, you know, smelly parts to yeah. notice. Yeah, sure. Um, but and then and then in different sounds too, or, or you know, the smells if people are mowing their lawn, you know, you get the the great grass seed smell going by. Or um, I haven't gotten really good at if, if we're going at fairly decent speed. I'm not really good at assessing like what is the wind doing because um, you know you're always getting so some wind in your face just by yeah. virtue of moving forward and so I'm not, sometimes I'm not very good at saying oh it's a crosswind or oh it's this or oh it's that um, but better get better at that for Kona um, and you know but, but it, it really is since I spend so much time not being able to find pilots all the time I spend a lot of time cycling on a trainer yeah. and then I just like throw on Pandora or episodes of Mad Men and um, you know and just like cruise along riding outside it's it, the the word that comes to my mind is freedom. It's just like being released from the, from the stultifying parts of training. Yeah, lots of people feel and, that way. And yeah. I think Brett and I both probably could uh, confirm with you on that one. Um, you know, because well, especially me in New York as well, all winter being on my trainer. Mm-hmm. Brett, you're in Texas. You don't. You probably don't ride the trainer nearly as much as we do. Not but as much. Yes, no. finally being able to get outside. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, like I went for a ride this morning, and, and the freedom in that ride was, it's Sunday morning, so there weren't that many cars on the road, and so it was just nice to be able to ride on some roads that usually have to stay way over on the side, and then now I could kind of ride a little bit more in the lane, and uh, just and it was just so nice, and like you were saying, like like being able to take in all the surroundings and everything is really cool, so... Yeah, it's nice to get outside and do that. Mm. I was ta- I was coaching some kids on how to ride bikes the other day, and I, was, I called it the freedom machine. <laughs> I said, this thing cuts the distance between you and your friend's house, like, by half. You can go see twice as many friends on your freedom machine. Mm. And they loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, were you, were you born blind, or, or did you lose your vision over time, or, or what happened? Yeah. Oh, I can't hear. I were never right, but we started out with a lot more vision as kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was a lot, particularly during the daytime. Like I, I, night has always been, you know, complete, not seeing anything but light. Right. Um, but when I was younger, I could definitely, I, I could see the black line on the pool when I yeah. was younger. Now I can't. Um, so when we, swimming as a kid, when we were swimming in an outside pool anyway, I could, I could see the black line. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that sort of gradually faded away, and I've had to, you know, figure out how to make accommodations for, you know, to do whatever sports I want to do and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, 
I mean, I've, I, uh, you know, learned how to ski when I could see pretty much, but that was the first time I really had to get a guide, you know, because even right. though I could see quite a bit, I couldn't see enough to go out on the ski slopes and not be a menace to everyone, <laughs> including myself. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the first exposure I had to, like, para-sports. Yeah. Um, and then as time has gone by, I've, you know, done more and more different kinds of things and learned about different adaptations for those. And um, the the only sport that I kind of do on an equal footing with sighted athletes right now is um, is rowing because um, I can row in an eight person or a four person shell and it's just the same for me as it is for them. Yeah, do you do <laughs> um, that a lot? The coxswain does all the steering. Do you like to? Um, I was a rower uh, until the 2004 or 2005, which was when I kind of transitioned into doing more running. Uh huh. And um, and so yeah, I used to go. We, we, from March to November, we practiced every day and raced most weekends in the summer. Oh, wow. That sounds like a really cool sport. A lot of people get into triathlon from rowing. Yeah, well, the, well, the one thing about rowing is that it it gives you an incredible layer of sort of just um, functional fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people transition from rowing into something else, they... Uh, I remember when I started running after rowing, I, I actually got myself injured because I was so fit from crew that I could, I just thought that without any kind of background or base or anything, I could just go out and run like lots and lots and lots yeah. of miles. Yeah, yeah. And, Swimmers are you know, like that. It takes a while to adapt your body to doing that kind of sport as opposed to just rowing all those miles or yeah. lifting weights to get yourself more fit. Yeah, it's like you're a pair of lungs and a whole lot of muscle, but with weak leg, structurally weak legs. Exactly, and, and just no adaptation in your yeah. ligaments and joints and all that to, in your bones to go out and do 100% because rowing is not weight bearing that's the one thing yeah. I will say about it you're sitting on your butt <laughs> yeah yeah okay so how many times are, are you guys gonna uh, train together before your let's say before uh, the Ironman in June I think wow. we're just gonna do that week right because uh yeah, at least for, yeah, in June, that's going to be our first time to be able to get together. And um, because I live in New York and, and Tina lives in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. so we kind of have to, so hopefully over the summer before Kona we'll be able to get together. But uh, for the challenge race, we're just going to do a little training once we get there. So right. we have to do, uh, you know, it means we have to do more talking ahead of time, kind of making sure that we're coordinated on on things, you know, with uh, voice voice commands on the bike, for example, you know, right. um, stopping and starting and so forth, and, and just making sure we're on the same page. We just, uh, yep, we're just going to go out there and do it. But that's what we did on, actually, our very first triathlon together. Uh, we, Tina, didn't we just meet the day before for the first time? Yes, we met the day before for the first time. We took the bike out to make sure that we had it fitted to you, and then we decided to ride, and then we got a flat almost instantaneously. Yeah. So it was kind of good to be taking it out to ride because we could fix the flat that I day. I forgot about of, that. Yeah, that's true. The race. And so like, we rode maybe, what, a mile after we fixed the flat? Oh, something like that. I don't mm-hmm. even think. We were riding around a parking lot is all. So we rode did a few, few, few laps around the parking lot then so yeah we kind of just went well we just went for it because we didn't get much swimming either yeah Yeah, so uh yeah we we did very very little before that first triathlon but uh you know what and that's a little part of the fun let's go out and do it so um 
for for Kona, how long before that race are, are you going to show up there? I think we're planning to show up about um, a week before and then uh, acclimate for that week and, uh, you know, do hopefully do a lot of swimming because I'm really looking forward to seeing the coffee boat. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, be able to do some riding and some acclimating to the temperatures and uh, some beach time. Yeah. Oh, and I, I haven't told Tina this, but uh, I, I'm planning that the two of us are going out on stand-up paddle boards. I don't really know how Tina's going to do that. I, I presume she's <laughs> never done it, but we're going. I'm looking forward to it. That'll be great. Tina, do you just have, like, does it ever happen where people are just constantly dragging you out with them so it can be your first time to, to do something crazy and like, hey, we're going to go do paddle boards, and you're just, you just have to deal with it? <laughs> Yeah, and so far I haven't figured anything that I won't try. In yeah. fact, I'm still looking for somebody who wants to go bungee jumping with me. That's oh. the one thing I haven't done yet. R really crazy, stupid thing I haven't done yet. That's my more because there really isn't, isn't any bungee jumping in my area, so you have to go out and look for it. Yeah, we'll probably get my wife to go do that with you. She wants to go bungee jumping, and I won't go. I think it's crazy. All right. We need to hook her up with Tina then, and the she, two of them can go bungee jumping. She'd probably love it. She'd probably be like, yeah, let's do it. Well, cool. Um, let's see. So uh, how many, both of you, I mean, you're both having to do Kona, you know, so what's the training look like? Like how many hours per week? Like what do you focus on? Um, what are your expected times? time since it'll be together you know i haven't actually really thought about expected times for kona because um i'll see how the challenge race goes and sort of probably try to work off that yeah but until i actually get more of a sense of what the course is like which i probably really won't get till we get out there yeah. um and check it out uh it's and, and 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 you know i think with kona too the weather is a big variable you know how bad the winds are how hot it is um you know, I, I my my big goal in this is to I really want to enjoy it because it's it may well be a once in a lifetime thing. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to put a qualifying mechanism in for PC athletes other than wheelchair athletes, and right. I don't know if how many times you can go back to the lottery well. Um, so, right. you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at this as you know I may not ever make it back, and I don't want to waste this in a way on worrying about um, you know how well or badly we're doing to the exclusion of having fun because this is this is a chance of a lifetime and something that I mean I feel so honored to have because a yeah. lot of people I know who are like three and four times the triathlete I am in every way right. still haven't managed to make it there and um, you know so I I don't want to go out and and blow it on 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 acting silly about uh, you know being either uber competitive or oh, yeah. you know worrying about if I don't um, some time goal or another, you know, especially kind of not knowing what to expect. So, um, you know, my, my big goal is I want to finish, I want to look good, and I'd love to get on the NBC coverage. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I agree, right? You, you don't want to, gosh, imagine, you, yeah, you get all the way there, and then, like, you go too hard on the bike or something, and then you have to, you don't make a cutoff or something because you went too hard and then blew up or something. Right, or even just if you're not having the day you want and you make the cutoffs, but you're just like, oh, this is, you know, I don't want to be Miserable. negative and frustrated. Yeah. Um, that's that's my goal, is not to be negative and frustrated. Yeah. 
So what do you what kind of what kind of food do y'all eat for um for training? Oh, and uh, amberita bars, of course. Oh yeah. All right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well. Uh, well, truly, Brett. I um I started eating amberita bars particularly because of you talking about them all the time. So I thought I would try them out. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm big on the whole chia seed. Thing. I yeah. put chissies in my smoothies and so forth, so I try them. They're good. They are good. Every yeah. So. yeah. You're, you're really a good, good ambassador for them. Oh, thanks. Cool. I'll clip this out and send it to them. I like to eat, um, <laughs> I like to eat gel, there's a, there's a gels, I think they're called Homa. Oh, Huma? That have chia seeds in them. Yeah. I Huma, just, yeah, I just those are really one. good. Which, what's your, I like the blueberry. What's your favorite flavor? I only have had the apple, and uh, applesauce is one of my favorite foods, and it's just like eating applesauce. So oh, I love them. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah, the chia seeds add like this kind of cool little texture to it, is what I found out. Like I, I like it. It, it. The first time I ever took a bite, I was kind of like it's kind of gritty, but then I got used to it instantly and liked it. So well, yeah, cool. it's good, and it's you know some omega three fats. So yeah, uh, for sure, and you know the whole. Um, you know, the whole trend right now is to be fat adapted, so it's all good. A little bit of fat in there. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. It's a, it's 100 calories, and 10 or 20 of those calories comes from the fat from the chia seed. So it's good stuff. All right. Yeah, well, so cool. otherwise, um, yeah, that's... Uh, Am I we're, missing we're anything? Like every other, uh, every other triplete. Yeah. <laughs> Just like everybody else, trying to trying to figure it out. Else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. Um, I, I mean, I guess I would just say, you know, as as Anne sort of said at the beginning, um, for anybody out there listening who has ever thought, you know, how can I give back to the sport or anything like that? Um, you know, guiding is a great way to do it, and and the fact is that you know, in, in my case, it takes. All kinds of people, you know, because a lot of people uh, on my tri club will say, well, I'm just not fast enough to guide for you. That's the first thing they'll always say. Right. And I say, well, first of all, there is no such thing as not being fast enough to ride a tandem because yeah, exactly. you ride together, so yeah. there's no way I can leave you behind. Even if I was a better cyclist than you, there's no way I can leave you behind on that. Right. Um, and also, really, to swim with me, you don't have to be very fast. Um, but some of those people um, give me rides to training, um, and that's the way that they decide to help out um, because it's really hard around here. None of our cycling is is rideable from my house, uh-huh. so we have to get me in this massive tandem bike from point A to point B, yeah. and sometimes that takes two people because somebody willing to give a ride has a Mazda Miata and somebody else has a truck. So, right. um, you know, I would say that, that anybody who, you know, finds this interesting or wants to get involved, there's so many ways to get involved, you know, from, like I say, from giving somebody a ride to, uh, to you know, doing a training run to racing a try. And, um, you know, people can get in touch with me um, on Facebook or Twitter. They can, um, you know, check with uh, Achilles International or the Sea Different Foundation or the Challenged Athletes Foundation if they're interested in guiding um, and those places will tell you how to get hooked up with an athlete. And I think most of my guides have a lot of fun, and um, and sometimes it can result in some great friendships and some really fun times. Yeah, that's great. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for both of you being on the show. It's it's an honor to have you on. 
and we'll keep following. Thank you for having us on. I can't yeah, wait thank to you watch. So much. Can't wait to watch Kona to see you guys on there on the NBC coverage. Would be awesome. Be like, I know well, them. we're hoping for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, so our goal is going to be to be looking good all day so that we can look good on the NBC coverage. Are, are you going to be wearing RWB um, kits or, or what? I think we're actually going to be wearing um, SL, Team SLS Try kits because um, oh, okay. I got sponsorship from them, and right. so I'm arranging to get a kit for Anne so that we can – we can be matching, and right. that'll make a much better, more persuasive statement. And on the bike, they'll actually be able to tell because yeah. no one can ever see what I'm wearing if they're looking at the bike <laughs> go by. So, are they are those kits red and white, or what? What color are they? No, they're pink. They're pink. The women's are pink. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll keep our eyes open for you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Brett. All right. Thank you. We are back, and thank you, Tina and Anne, and the best of luck, and I'm sure we'll get updates from them, and it sounds like they've really got it under, under control. I would say um, the only thing about Kona would be the franticness of the swim, and maybe they got that down pretty good, and the, uh, uh, the windiness of the bike, the crosswinds, might be something to train for, and I think that, I think everything else is pretty much handled, man. I think they, I think they got it, so this is, this will be a, uh, a first, a Guinness Book of World Records first, man. Pretty cool. All right, before we get into the training log where I list off tons and tons of training tips, let's do some sponsor stuff and some emails. We have Compete Hub. How's it going, guys? CompeteHub.com, great place to go check out all your races. And it's kind of like, the, like a Facebook of triathlon. It's actually really, really cool. I dig it a lot. I've been on there a bunch lately. And then uh, Sufferfest, a uh, discount code of 10% with, uh, with ZT Suffers, all capital letters, ZT as in Zentri, Suffers. And these are great um, training videos that you can use while on the trainer running and biking. They have triathlon, so you can actually run with them. And go check that out. And... Sunto, big sponsor of ours. I just swam across the lake earlier this morning and got a really accurate measurement of what I did with the Sunto Ambit 2. And that's my go-to watch. And it, it handles power meters on bikes. I mean, the thing is just handles triathlon just better than any other device I've ever seen. And I love it. And let's see, a trainer view, which is um, where it can stitch together. You plan a route on a map. And there's routes already made up to the big races. And you can, um, uh, on the trainer and on the treadmill, uh, watch this thing. And uh, you can run around uh, Paris, London, uh, up and down the coast of New Zealand. One time I rode, I rode my bike up and down the coast of Norway. And basically it uses Google Street View and stitches it together into a almost seamless video. Because it's Street View, it's still pictures. But you really get a feeling like you're cruising along wherever you want to go. And it's super cool. And I love that thing. And discount code is Zentry. And also show donations. We'll get to that in a second. And oh, Hornet Juice. I've been getting a ton of Hornet Juice orders lately. 
and um, it's a really cool way for me to um, to send you an email and say how's it going wherever you live. I do that a lot. I like that a lot, and it helps support the show. And Hornet Juice is an amino acid um, powder that you uh, drink a little bit before, during, and a little bit after on your longer workouts, and it helps metabolize body fat. It's super cool. Um, it comes from <laughs> this is crazy. It comes from Japanese killer hornet saliva. No crap, man. I swear to God it does. And uh, I use it every once in a while and uh, more than every once in a while. I use it a lot. And it's um, it's for real, dude. It really, really works. So go check that out. Um, Google uh, Hornet Juice. Go to hornetjuice.com and see how it works. And you'll be like, holy crap, I got to try this. And uh, get it through Zentri on the um, right side of the page. Go to zentriathlon.com. Scroll down. Right side of the page. Um you get it through me, and then it helps support the show. And then, oh, Amrita, Amrita Bar. So you go to amritahealthfoods.com, and you spell Amrita, A-M-R-I-T-A. Here comes a pontoon boat really close to shore. And A-M-R-I-T-A, Amrita. And they are um, uh, date bars with seeds, and so they're nut-free. They're, like, super, super, super healthy and it, they are worth it, man. They are so good. I've gotten to the point where I go to them over anything else in the pantry. And it might actually be a problem how fast I go through them. <laughs> and they have like, uh, they're really good for work while you're working out. They're actually pretty easily digestible. So they're not a problem while they're working out. And they have one that's a recovery bar, a recovery bar that's a little bit higher in uh, protein. And it's chocolate and maca flavored. It's so freaking good. And uh, those are the ones I tend to go to first. And it's nice. Just uh, keep one in your jersey pocket when cycling or in your shorts while running. And um, just kind of nibble on it every once in a while. And you are golden, man. It's really, really good stuff. Okay. So before the training log, we need to do... We're going to answer questions. And these are coming from... Let's see. If you help support the show and send me an email... Uh, well, if you help support the show by donating on the left side of the page, zentrathlon.com then uh, you can, it sends me an email, and in the email, you can uh, ask me a question and send me a note. And uh, I forgot to mention, discount code ZEN, all capital letters, Z-E-N, on the Amrita bars at amritahealthfoods.com. And let's see. So we got lots of donations this month. I really appreciate it. It's, it really helps. Saeed Kwaja? <laughs> Saeed Kwaja and Mary or Mari I can't tell uh, Onesshul gave a donation uh, Spiros Festus how's it going dude frequent donor and uh, Paul Johnson and Vince Hancock thank you very much Christopher Allen thank you so much and then we have an email from Richard Thompson let's see what he's got to say oh I've managed to break my internet connection. Let me see if I can get it going here. I'm out on this dock and there's no there's no Wi-Fi, there's no internet, there's no nothing out here. <laughs> there goes a the boat. Oh, that's kind of a big one. Kind of like a hybrid party boat. And let me refresh this page. Oh, this is great podcasting out here. There we go. 
There we go. Maybe. Not good podcasting. Come on. Nothing. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me get this fixed. Okay, it didn't work because it wasn't supposed to work. (laughs) I thought it was supposed to expand and it wasn't expanding. And it's not supposed to expand. Uh, Killer show. This is from Richard Thompson. Killer show. uh, Four exclamation points. Keep the swim tips coming. This anchor needs all the help he can get. Yeah, man. Thank you, dude. Um, That's what you get here. Send me swim questions, man. I'll answer them left and right. I've been swimming competitively since I was nine years old, and I'm ancient now, so that's a long time. All right. Uh, Let's see. Philip Gerard. Let's see. Hey, Brett. I was listening to your episode with Brandon Marsh, awesome swimmer, and I felt like I could provide you with some information instead of only being you telling me cool stuff. Cool. Work. Oh, when I, when I go to work every day, I say W to the E-R-K. Work is not the German word for work. Work is a manufacturing plant. So, for example, the BMW plant in Oxford would be the BMW Work Oxford. W-E-R-K, Oxford. The word for work is Ar- Arbe or Arbiet Ar- Arbiet <laughs> I don't know A-R-B-E-I-T or if you want workplace and that would be Arbiet Splots Splots? Really? Or Spiats? I can't read it What does it say? I don't know Oh my redneck vision Okay But then again I can totally understand if you wanted to stay with the W to the E-R-K Work can feel awfully like a factory where you're just some tiny machine being used slash abused. (laughs) Also, entropy is the idea that energy always tries to reach an equilibrium. Oh, if you're new to this podcast, I like science, so this is cool stuff. Equilibrium, I just like learning. So for us, it means that if we have a box with hot air and a box with cold air, with the, the air energy separated by a wall, then we remove the wall, the energy will spread itself out evenly inside the box. So that's entropy. Without putting in work, the air will never separate out into the hot and cold again. Which also means that if Kai's room is a mess again, because the Legos are everywhere, he is just obeying the laws of physics. Right? The the Legos tend to spread out into an empty space. Energy spreads out and since mass is energy, the Legos also tend to spread out. Hope you're having an awesome day in Texas. With us, it is raining in gray. And he spelled gray, G-R-E-Y, which is the European version of spelling gray. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was awesome. I like that email a lot. Dude. That was pretty cool. And Allison Frutos, longtime donor. Dwayne Morin, longtime donor. Dan Machia, longtime donor. Thank you all very much. And Oliver in French Canada. Oh, this will be good. Here we go. Oh, this is a... Oh, my God. This is a long one. Woo! Things are going pretty good. I just finished my... Should I read it in French Canadian? Things are going pretty good. I just finished my first 70.3 in Montreblanc. I went pretty good. But I had to back it up a little bit on swim. Okay, I can't do anymore. Uh and on the bike, but I had a very good run. Can you explain this? I had leg cramps on the swim, not cramps on the verge. I had leg cramps on the swim. Not cramps, but on the verge of getting it. So I was not swimming the pace I want. On the, 
and not on the bike, and I was not able to push on the pedals because he was worried about the cramps. Okay, yeah, this happens a lot. Um, I think the suspect is overhydration. Let me explain. The day and few days before, <clears throat> I tried to stay hydrated as much as possible. Yeah, so you're doing something a little different. Um, but the day before, every time I take a sip, 10 minutes later, I had to pee very clear. That's, that's, that's a bad sign right there. You don't want to be very clear. You want it to be light yellow. Uh, the night before, I was on the verge of getting small cramps in the legs when I was moving my legs. Oh, I forgot about this part. This was just the night before. Um, on the bike leg, I had to use the bathroom on every aid station, four of them, because I was keeping drinking water. Yeah, it sounds like you're drinking way too much water, dude. I did not have any cramps on the run, and I took water and ice at every aid station so what are you thinking uh thanks for your great podcast it changes the way of doing things in life not only in triathlon okay um i wrote back to him and i said you know cramps are usually caused by you know a little bit of overtraining too much stress like running up and down hills too much when you're not used to it and and then uh, the next day you know going and doing some more stuff than your, your muscles are fatigued out. They're a sign from your muscles that, you know, they're cashing it out. They're like, I'm done. And uh, you better hold back because you're going to hurt me, right? Um, his hydration issue is interesting. And in that, yeah, I agree that the overhydration did not help, okay? And it possibly made things worse. And I would say to keep this in mind... But only, like, don't take it too seriously. You actually will perform better just the tiniest, tiniest bit dehydrated because it concentrates your blood sugar. Um, except, I'm saying don't take it too seriously because then people will on purpose get a little bit dehydrated so that they perform better. And that's probably too much, right? So what you do is you just let go a little bit and just say, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. And don't worry about getting just the tiniest bit dehydrated because actually it's not all that bad for you because you'll probably perform even better, probably, right? But um, overhydrated, um, it sounds like, yeah, what you were and it was starting to cause cramps. So the way this works is you dilute the electrolytes in your body and then um, there's not enough there to conduct the electricity correctly from your brain to uh, signal your body what to do. Um, Actually, totally pure water, it does not conduct electricity. It needs a little bit of salt and some other stuff in there, uh, or some other stuff in there to make water conduct electricity. Um, uh, what do they call water that's been uh, purified to the point where there's a distilled water? Technically, if it's distilled enough, it's an insulator, not a conductor. It's pretty weird. So basically, if you keep peeing and peeing and peeing, or keep drinking and drinking and drinking and flush out all your electrolytes, you're turning your body into an insulator instead of a conductor and then you uh, start having problems people have start having seizures and stuff like that so um that's uh, hyponutremia no hypernutremia one of the other. anyway the um <laughs> should just like blow it off it's one or the other no it's freaking serious uh, so i wrote him back and i said i agree on the overhydration if you're peeing clear that is too much water it wouldn't cause cramps in day-to-day -day life but under stress of racing is a different situation for sure the biggest cause of cramping is muscles being stressed from working out and then not rec enough recovery before the race 
that would be like big workout days and then not enough rest. Um, and then race pace would do it. Your muscles are a bit tweaked and would revolt under the race pace. Ideally, you want to be peeing light yellow. Funny how nature put it literally right in front of us so we'd know smiley face. <laughs> That's what I wrote back. Cool, man. Oliver in French Canada. And he wrote, Merci encore et tu es invité dans la vie de Quebec avec des familles quand tu vieux. Tu es juste à mes And then said, go Google Translate that. And... Um, Thanks, uh, like, th thanks again, and invite you to the city of Quebec with your f family when you can come. Uh, just contact me. I think is what that says. That's my uh, redneck Latin, trying to figure out that French. Okay, cool. And that is our news and our uh, emails and questions answered. And I think that's it. So. Oh, here comes some fishermen by the dock. This has been a trip, man, reading all this stuff. All this boat traffic's going in front of the dock. <sighs> okay, so let's go ahead and get started with the um, training log. This is where I take you with me. I think this one's around two hours long. And I do all kinds of crazy uh, triathlon training. And I give out tons of tips on what I'm doing, how I do it, things I'm trying. Lots of good tips uh, buried in there. Lots of info. And it's... Uh, the, the good stuff of this show, so I'm really proud to bring it to you. Let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right. Welcome to a new training log. I'm not sure of the date. It's like the 20th or 21st or maybe 21st. Yeah, Saturday. Had a meeting at work yesterday that was on the 20th. That's how I remember. <laughs> so I'm out on a very easy run, a polarized training method run. Super, super easy. In fact, I was going just the tiniest bit too hard and I drank too much coffee this morning, two cups. And uh, I've had to stop and pee twice. <sighs> kind of like a dog. I got Kona with me, speaking of dogs. How's it going, buddy? Kona. Yeah, see, so he turns around. Sprayed him down with a hose before we got going. High today, I don't know, 92, 95, something like that. It's humid. But it is 7.20 in the morning. Left around 6.55. I've been running in the shade so far. A little bit of sun. Lots of really cool stuff happening. The polarized training is going so good. And I got a, a little bit of kids update. Coach Kai, <laughs> my nine-year-old who does triathlons. I asked him a few days ago if he wanted to go do hard bike intervals. See, the thing is, he's on this triathlon team. 
and he's racing this summer, a few races, only a few, but he's also on vacation, going places with grandparents, and so he's not really, he's missing tons and tons of try quote unquote practice, which they train like every day, like six days a week, five days a week, you know, mostly fun stuff. But he is missing out on it, especially like swim practice, which is more technique. So you just got to expose yourself to this to get it. The reason I'm telling you all this is because it ends up coming up for adult training. You'll, you'll catch on here in a minute. So after a little, after a few days of, or a week of, him missing practice, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a coach, I forgot. <laughs> I'll train him. But you gotta be really, really careful. You know, you don't wanna <clears throat> train them like an adult. They're totally different. You gotta keep it so fun. But actually, that's what I'm saying, adults, we need to train like this too. You need to train like a kid. need to keep it fun and actually the technique I like is keep the hard stuff so rare that they, they're just dying to do it and when you have them do it you give them almost not enough of it so like that's it so they want more you know in a few more days and then everything in between is just playing around and just fun so it's like polarized for kids There we go. There we go. All right. So, quite a few days ago, I took him to the pool and showed him how to push off better, you know, more streamlined. And that was his swim practice. And then, come on, Conan, let's turn around. There's a guy mowing his yard with the tractor. I don't want to get involved in that. Okay. What are you doing? Running down my private driveway okay now we're running away from the highway back down this country road I got Kona on the retractable lead and then yeah a few days ago he went with me on a run he rode his bicycle and I did intervals and I showed him, like when I was done with an interval, I was walking, you know, like super, super easy, you know, I was going nine out of 10. I was kind of just saying it out loud. This is what I'm doing. Okay. So then last night we, <laughs> Emily and I took him with us on a family bike ride. It ended up being more like me and Kai took Emily with us. <laughs> Kai and I. Anyway. So, this triathlon practice team usually rides an hour at a time. And I figured since we're doing intervals, we could cut that down. Maybe 40 minutes. They're going to do an out and back of 20 minutes. And along these access roads, along the freeways, like super safe. Huge shoulder, but hilly. Long, gradual hills. And so... So we're going to warm up like 10 minutes and then when we get to this first big hill, 
it's like a three or four minute long hill for him. So I want you to work up it kind of medium hard. Pretty hard, like nine out of 10. But it's kind of long, so, you know, don't, don't destroy it. <laughs> and there's more hills after that. So we went up it and then at the top, you know, he's panning for breath. And I was like, okay, just like our running, just go coast, just kind of noodle around. That's what they call it, noodling. So you recover and we're gonna ride really, really easy until the next hill and then do it again. There's like four hills. And that's what we did. And it was so cool. Kai's so fast now. He's on a little kid's road bike, a Fuji Ace. Emily was having trouble keeping up. I had trouble keeping up sometimes because Kai doesn't weigh anything. So when he charges uphill, man, you gotta you gotta really hammer to keep up. It's pretty impressive. But then when he goes downhill, he doesn't go very fast because he doesn't weigh much. And then there was a headwind sometimes. So that slowed him down too. So that was pretty easy. Um, but anyway, I took this photo. I rode up next to him, took this photo of him charging up this hill, standing and climbing. And it's so freaking rad. <laughs> it is so pro looking that I uh, sent it to our shot of Amrito bars. These super duper health bars that we eat. They're super healthy that Kai eats and I eat. Emily eats. We all eat them like all the time. And I said, check out this photo. If you want to use this for anything, let me know. It's totally cool. Kai would love it. He looks so pro. And so Arshad wrote an email back and goes, holy crap, I'm a, we're making kids bars right now. I totally want to use this on the bar maybe or on the packaging somehow. I'm like, yeah, sweet. But anyway, when we finished, we got back to the house. We'd gone 40 minutes, which is much, much less than, you know, his regular bike workout that he does when he's with this tri-team. And he was like, I could have done more of that. And I'm like, that is perfect. That's all you need, man. Because tomorrow, for fun, we're going to go swim. And I don't want you to be sore. You're just a little kid. Don't worry about being fast. You're already fast. Just being a kid. So it was really cool, you know, training all around. And the polarized method is go hard when you go hard like he was doing. And you only need a little bit of it to make you faster. And then everything else is just play, which literally for kids is play, you know? Jumping around, run to your friend's house, just a few, just a block, you know? Jog here, jog there. Ride your bicycle around the neighborhood. Nothing big, just doing something. Being active and eating healthy. 
So that was pretty cool. And on, on my end of the of the polarized training, um, I'm doing intervals every few days. Two days have come completely easy in between. So let's see, yeah, two days ago, today's Saturday. Thursday, I did run intervals, which means Sunday, because Friday and Saturday off. Sunday, looking for cars, we're crossing the street here. We'll be um, bike intervals. Don't necessarily need to go long for my weekend ride because I'm going hard. But so that's two days easy in between Friday and Saturday. It's easy. So what I'm doing is let's see, yesterday morning I ran. No. No, I biked easy yesterday morning and last night. Biked super easy, you know, taking Kai out on his ride. Emily kept going, Are you, aren't you going to keep going or leave us and drop us and go do something? And I'm like, no. Polarized, baby. I'm just chilling. It's just enough to be out here. And then an easy run this morning. Just jogging like this so that I can talk. This is perfect. And then at some point this afternoon, when I was talking about taking kite swimming, we're going to, um, there's a local club that opened up a new wing, a new branch, a new building, and they have a pool. But the pool's too short. It's like a 17-meter pool. But it has a um, current machine, but it's, I don't think it's going to be fast enough. But I got guest passes. There's a bunny rabbit coming. Look, rabbit. So we're going to go play at the pool, you know? Nothing major. Just play. Oh. Oh, I'm going to make, because Kai hasn't been training for swimming, I'm going to make him, I'm going to ask him to do some hard intervals, you know, like a some 50 sprint, just a few of them though, and that'll make his arms stronger, but then everything else is play, you know, play in that current machine, swim laps, just play around, it's pretty cool, feel for the water is so much more important than anything else. So speaking of swimming, it's super cool. My brother lives in Chicago. Well, somebody sent me an email asking if I would do the big shoulder swim next summer in Chicago. So it's in Lake Michigan, right off the coast of Chicago. It's a double loop 5K swim. And I've done one of those before here in Texas in Lake Conroe. And I liked it a lot. And 
my brother's really out of shape, so I'd really like for him to get back in shape. And he's at 42, 43. And you start getting to that age and not being in shape can start ruining your body, you know, so I'm kind of like, man, come on, you know, but he's my older brother, I can't tell him what to do, he gets mad, <laughs> so anyway, the, um, the trick is, you know, for somebody to want to do something, well, for somebody to do something, to get back in shape, they have to want to, and something has to inspire them. So I was telling Emily, I'm like, his little brother telling him to do something, probably make him do the opposite. You know, his parents tell him to do something, he'll probably do the opposite, to show defiance. That's just the way people work. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like parents and kids. But he bumps into somebody that he looks up to, that he respects, and like think is, thinks is cool. And then that person goes, "Man, I'm going to do this big 5K swim in Lake Michigan." And then my brother's like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. I could do that." <laughs> I can only imagine the conversation. Or my brother, the guy's like. Hey, you should do this swim. My brother's like, oh, nah, you know. And then the guy goes, I'm totally going to do it. I was on swim team, like, through middle school. <laughs> I bet I could do it. And then, <laughs> and then my brother goes, oh, I used to swim too. And the guy goes, well, really, what'd you do? I swam for college. I was captain of the swim team. The guys would be like, what the F, dude? What are you talking about? Why aren't you doing this crap all the time, man? You would win everything. And my brother would say, really? Do you think so? Yes, dude. You get all the ladies. <laughs> Come on, dude. Do this, man. And so that's the way it is with a lot of stuff, you know? Like, Emily's uncoachable because I tell her to do something. And she's like, whatever, it's my dumb husband just taught me to do stuff. I gotta be my own person. I'm not gonna do what he says because then we're not equal, you know? But one of her friends says, hey, you should do polarized and like do intervals to train for your bike ride. Emily will, I swear to God, this has happened so many times. Hey, Coach Adam said I should do this. You're like, yep, that's what I've been saying. Oh. So if you discover it on your own, on your own terms, whatever it is, you have fun, Kona? Then it's yours, and then you, you follow through with it. So my whole point is I sent an email to my brother saying, hey, this guy wants me to swim this lake swim in Chicago. You want to do it with me? It's like a, over a year from now. And he wrote back, 
nope. No thanks. And then I just dropped it, right? Really, that's the most I can do is plant a seed that there's this option available and I would do it with them. You know? A lot of people don't even know that there's stuff to do, you know? Like that. Then a few days later, Emily notices on Facebook that my brother posted that he swam in Lake Michigan first time since 1994 or 92 or something like that, that he swam. And I was like, holy crap. See, he did it. Something inspired him. That's pretty cool. Now, will he all the way follow through with it? I don't know. They say it takes like three inputs from people to get you to do something. Like, say you want to lose weight. It takes like three different people. It's like one of your coworkers making fun of you for being fat. And then, you know, your wife saying you're fat becomes a concrete truck. <laughs> Cohen is freaking out. He's like, there's a freaking monster. Let's get out of the road, buddy. Here, come here. We just ran past a concrete mixing plant. Kona, let's take this opportunity to drink some water. You doing good, buddy? It's a big, big dog, huh? <laughs> and then they'll still brush that off. And then their kid or like some stranger on the street says, why are you so fat? And then the individual's like, screw this, man. Everybody's called me fat. I must be fat. I should lose weight. You know? And then somebody says, let's say, for example, you should do a triathlon. He's like, that's stupid. And then somebody else, a few week, a week later, says, oh, I'm doing this triathlon. You should do a triathlon. And he's like, oh, that guy's a loser. Endurance sports are stupid. I'm going to lift weights. Because that's what I've always done. That's all I know. And then somebody says, he meets somebody that just looks badass. You know? Drives a cool car or something. Somebody, like I said, somebody that he's like, I want to be like that guy. Ends up sitting next to him at a bar or something. And then goes, hey, what's up? What's up? End up hanging out, being cool, right? Making bro friends, having a bro down with some bromance. Like, what's up? I like this guy. And then he goes, hey, you wanna go? Uh, the fat guy says, you wanna go? Uh, <clears throat> wanna go fishing this weekend? The guy's like, nah, I used to do that, but I got fat. 
I'm gonna go do triathlons. Here come, let's get off the road. Here comes a big truck. Let's get off the road, buddy. I'm gonna do a long, uh, I'm gonna go run. Because <laughs> I'm training for a triathlon. It's okay. And then the guy's like, huh, man, I keep hearing everybody's doing triathlons. Hey, don't drink that. That's nasty, dude. Oh, maybe I could be like this guy and go do triathlons. And yeah, I'll be like this guy. He's like, well, running's stupid. And then the triathlete guy is like, yeah, I know, dude. I hate running. I actually like biking. That's my favorite. But for triathlon, you really don't have to run that much. You just run some. And then the guy's like, oh, cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go run with Rick. Rick Dingfield. He's cool. I'm going to start training for triathlons. And he goes to a triathlon. He's like, holy crap, everybody's so fit. This is awesome. I love it. Here comes some cyclists. We'll catch up with us in a minute. Anyway. So... Then his wife and his friends were like, Man, we've been telling you to do triathlons for years, dumbass. What took you so long? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, Whatever. Well, what really happened was enough people and then somebody cool that he looked up to said, do it. So that's how it happens. But, <sighs> will I be swimming the Chicago Big Shoulder Swim with my brother next year? That is a, would be a dream come true for me. But will it happen? That's very complex. Not sure if it'll actually happen or not. Right? There's so many factors that go into that. So, on, as a reply to his Facebook post, I, I wrote, Hey, that's cool that you swam. Um, here's a map of the actual... Because he just swam, swam. And uh, I posted back, here's a map of the actual swim course. You know, So I'm further planting a visual of what it is. Because there's that. What is it? When it's vague, you don't know what you're doing. You'd rather sit on the couch. Right? And I said, uh, we both went to Kingwood High School and swam for Kingwood High. <laughs> I said, you could probably win your age group. And wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be funny? Both of us wearing our Kingwood High School t-shirts on the shoreline. <laughs> Kingwood High swimming. It'd be funny in our 40s. Anyway. But I'll tell you a secret. If he wants to win his age group, he's going to have to beat me. We're in the same age group. I just realized that, the other, uh, like yesterday. I was like, oh my God, dude, we'd be in the same age group. That'd be so funny. 
Oh, and then I sent him a link to the results of the 5K swim that I did in Lake Conroe, which is the lake that we grew up on. You know? Or I got fourth. But not only out of like 12 people or something. But, you know, like, evidence, like, this is totally doable, dude. Like, people do this all the time. It's kind of fun, you know? And look, your idiot little brother got fourth. <laughs> Aren't you better than him? Imagine if you did it. I didn't even swim in college, and I got fourth. <clears throat> what place would you get if you were actually a collegiate-level NCAA swimmer? You know? Anyway, there's that. There's some cyclists out. I think that's enough recording for this morning. Oh, I ran across, I wanted to mention I ran across a cool article. Hold on, let's get a little bit closer. It's now I'm on a busier street. I got a retractable leash. Pull them in a little bit. I ran across a cool PubMed article that when you found it by accident linked to something that Tawny posted and it's on fat metabolism you know going low carb and basically through the summary reading the fine print well no reading between the lines and some other stuff I've heard oh and I am talk other cyclist. Oh, this is the same guy. No, different guy. Um, low carb, high fat. Huh, wait. Gotta cross the street. Okay, let's go. Good boy. Low carb, high fat is a temporary training method that you do on I Am Talk. I guess it was Dr. Tamsin Douglas, maybe. Maybe it was her, maybe it was someone. Was saying, you do it on occasion. So it's kind of like intervals. But I would say even less frequently. You do it on occasion to enhance your fat burning, right? Because long-term, it will F up your metabolism, your thyroid. So it's not a lifestyle, it's a technique. And to further drive the point home, it's a technique you do on occasion, kind of like hill work or something. And then the PubMed article was um, <clears throat> oh, and the amount of carbs you burn is all relative to the amount of exercise you do, pretty much. If you're an endurance athlete, low carb for you is way higher than some low carb diet or, you know. 
somebody that just sits at a desk all day and does nothing else. Hey, come over here, come over here. Go around the pillar, there you go. And this PubMed article, they found enhanced results for athletes versus a control group where the athletes, the enhanced ones were, um, they went low carb, high fat for two weeks leading up to an event. And then went back to, ooh, Cone almost got him a rabbit. <laughs> they went back to regular carb so that they had enough glycogen stored up for the race. You know, so they went back to, I guess not really carb loading, but just normal carb. And then what that did, let's stop here. I'm gonna, man, I could run like this all day. I think that's the point. Talking pace, occasional Hornet juice sip. That's what I'm drinking. That's all gone. That was my Hornet juice. Let's wash it down with some water. Um, I heard a cow. Must be feeding time. Okay, let's go. Wait for me. Wait. This is a pretty run right here. There's all kinds of wildflowers on either side of the sidewalk in the woods. No, he's going that way. We're going this way, buddy. Oh, my. So, the two weeks of high-fat, low-carb did enhance their metabolism so that they ran on a better fat burning. And then... It definitely increased performance. And then going back to regular carb, regular fat, before the race to get their, uh, their performance back up, you know, so they'd be able to race effectively, um, worked fine. And the the improved metabolism from going low carb, high fat, the improved fat burning stayed, was effective through the uh, test, through the race. And they mentioned that the, um, what do you call it? That you want to go back on regular carb before the race. Because if you go low carb, if you go low carb too long, your body forgets how to metabolize the carbs. It blunts carb response. So I thought this was pretty cool. Basically, 
you, you can do a period, like two weeks or something, maybe, I don't know, of low-carb, high-fat to train your metabolism to be better. But then go back to regular carb. Because it will jack your body up to go low carb too long. Your body forgets how to burn carbs when you need them, when you need to. And definitely, it messes up your serotonin levels, your thyroid, your metabolism slows down over long, if you do it too long. And you end up, you'll end up gaining weight. And not burning calories at all. I'm feeling sluggish and tired and sleepy and depressed. I thought that was pretty cool. Alright, I think that's it. Gotta figure out how to turn this thing off. We're almost back at the house. It's been nice. Out. Oh, man. Ugh. I feel like I don't have much. <laughs> I don't have much. But the uh, swim this morning got cut short, not even halfway through. 27 minutes in. Thunder. Man, that's the downside of swimming in an outdoor pool, man. Had to get out. I was doing uh, intervals. And. Man, I feel like I'm just not into it this morning. Although I started off this morning feeling like I was really into it. What, what happened? Oh, so much, so much. The, um, uh, I got nothing. I'm going to quit. Bye. Whew, I'm back. <laughs> Man, I couldn't leave it on that note. I had to gather some thoughts for a minute. I'm in the habit of recording after a swim sometimes, and then that, I just had nothing. Um, but that's reality, man. That's podcasting. That's real podcasting. <laughs> um, old school podcasting. The, um, the, I wanted to mention, um, interval stuff and, uh, muscle mass and how it makes you feel. So I've noticed lately that, uh, doing stuff around the house, I feel less like a uh, old man, you know, like bending over to pick up things doesn't hurt. You know, I'm uh, more, I'm more, I could just feel I'm stronger. You know, I've got like gorilla strength, uh, not really, but more. And, uh, than I, than I had before. And, um, and more resilience against, uh, you know, getting pain from, uh, joints from twisting or a sudden movement, you know, like trying to catch something that's falling or something like that. You know, you have to, a sudden reflex and the older you get, the more, uh, that bothers you. And, um, and then picking up things, heavy things, moving stuff. Uh, the, um, interval work that I'm doing is, uh, making me stronger. And also I noticed that I'm putting on a few pounds, but my waist isn't growing. Uh, my belt loop is staying in the same, uh, notch and, um, my belt buckle is staying at the same notch. Although I've gained a few pounds and I'm like, Hmm, that's kind of weird. So it seems to be pointing at, uh, all signs seem to be pointing at putting on muscle mass, getting stronger, and also a feeling of um, a little more toughness and like 
uh, a little bit more like I'm kind of awesome kind of feeling, and that's testosterone, and that's why uh, guys crash cars into things as they race each other around and risky behavior. Males, young males, have a uh, riskier behavior than um, young females. Um, There's a study in England where they, uh, you know, like boys run out in traffic and get hit by cars. Uh, more often than girls because they exhibit risky behavior. Um, they're more willing to dare each other to run out in the street and go get that ball or something like that. And it's a sign of toughness and it's just a guy thing. It's testosterone. And um, resistance training increases testosterone a lot, a lot. And the bigger the muscle group you work, the more it does it. And along with that, um, the whole point is when uh, you're doing intervals, it's a lot like lifting weights, and you're really working a muscle group hard, and it's like resistance training. So you can actually feel your testosterone go up, and it's a nice. Uh, um, all right, I'm here to pick up Kai, and I'm going to see if they're actually swimming. Yeah, they are. Okay, i got to pick them up from swim practice and then take them to soccer practice. Again, I'm soccer dad today. And that's it, Alpi. That's the way you end a recording right there. How about that, people? All right. I'm walking after doing an interval out running. That was number three. Eight minutes long. Running intervals today. Because I did... Today's Wednesday. I did bike intervals on Monday. Eight minutes long. Then two, and, 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 when you're doing an eight minute long interval, you ought to be cautious at the beginning, not start off quite too hard, more like an eight out of eight at first, because you don't feel it, and if you're a triathlete, they've proven, you've got a higher pain tolerance. So your 9 out of 10 is probably somebody else's, oh my god, I'm dying. Here comes a big truck playing this radio. I used to do that. Oh, man. All right. You want good workout music? Find pretty lights. Good stuff. Anyway, i got to get back to my, my interval. Feeling good, man. Out, Bing. Come on. All right. <laughs> Turn down for what? Oh, man. That was the last interval I'm walking afterwards. Um, the more you do something, the you get better at it because you get more fine-tuned at it, at what it takes, and what's correct and what's not, what's smooth, what's efficient, and what's too much, and what's too little, and I can tell from from experience now, from doing enough of these, that, you know, like how hard to go, and what's good, because, for example, on the uh, the bike ride on the last uh, Sunday, doing intervals, 
I pushed it a little bit harder at the end, you know, to really drive it home. And I think that was just a little bit too much. And I could tell by like how long it took me to recover from that. It was a little bit too much. And so on this run, I'm holding back, like I said, just the tiniest bit more than what I usually do at the beginning. And then what I'm finding is just like if you swim a lot, you end up getting more fine motor skills over hand grab and feel for the water, right? Those of you that know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. You can actually learn to feel to grab the water instead of this kind of sloppy kind of pulling through, pushing the water around. You actually, it's almost like the water is a ladder with rungs on it and you can pull yourself through. Well, the more I do these intervals, I zero in on what is appropriate. And it's like the road becomes alive. Like I can feel everything, you know? I can feel the, I can feel my feet pushing off. Everything just, you know, zins out and zones in. And you get that flow of, you know, perfect execution. You can just tell, you know? And holding back just a little bit it's so useful because it allows you to zero in a little bit better and do the drill, do the actions a little bit better. And then you find joy in doing the actions appropriately and clean. Oh, that was a good run. I'm probably high on endorphins or something. Anyway, sun just went down. You can hear the tree frogs maybe. And there's a nice breeze. It dumped rain today. Lots and lots and lots of rain. I don't know, we probably got a couple inches, several inches of rain. People that live in deserts are so used to, you know, getting like 6 to 9 to 12 inches of rain a year. <laughs> in East Texas, we get a lot of rain uh, in, in uh, relation to West Texas. West Austin is the, uh, is the dry line, is what they call it, where everything west of Austin is dry. Everything east of Austin starts getting a whole lot more wet. We're the breaking point. So College Station, where I live, is on the east side of Austin. There's your geography lesson for the podcast. So we get more rain. So it dumped. And it was nice. Um, now all the, cre- all the critters, the creatures are happy. You can hear whatever that is in a tree. I don't know what that is. It sounds great. There's a car going too fast. You can tell I'm a parent in the subdivision. And... No fuel during this workout. Um, don't need it. And it's not because I'm doing some kind of crazy low-carb crap. Just ate really healthy today. Uh, whole Whole Foods. Oh, that reminds me, man. Oh, this week in Paleo, this latest episode. Look for Wednesday around June 24th or something like that. Um, wow, so powerful, man. Really, really good eat your freaking food, your whole food, and just stay away from junk food. Be so happy. We're all searching for a food solution and, you know, what macronutrient, micronutrient is going to fix everything. All it does is lead you to eating more, 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 more. And the solution, oh, well, that was on uh, Endurance Planet, but... 
on This Week in Paleo, <laughs> you don't need to look forward and hope science comes up with something. People have been eating fine and living a long time. <laughs> Just doing eat, eating whole foods and uh, <clears throat> you know, working, jogging, exercising, living. Not thinking about food so much, man. Oh, had a big ass salad today. Whew, man, and some scrambled eggs. All right, that's it. Out, bang. Hey, had a had a lunchtime run today. It's Thursday, and um, I found that that I really enjoy breaking up the workday with a little bit of run. I, I wish that um, I didn't get the sun exposure. There's not much tree cover here in uh, central Texas. It's rolling prairie. And so some places have trees, but a lot doesn't. And uh, I'm not a fan of how much sun exposure I get at lunch, but man, it is a nice way to break up the day. And I was explaining to another coworker that the challenge of, of getting it done actually kind of electrifies the day a little bit and it makes it makes the day just better you know a little bit of challenge uh gets a little bit of adrenaline flowing and um, it energizes you for the rest of the day so I've, I've noticed that days where i run at lunch and specifically running outdoors uh through varying terrain you know all over the place is um my afternoons at work that drag on are far different than days where I don't. The, the afternoons are far better. Like, it's amazing how much different energy-wise I feel for the rest of the day. But anyway, so I'm running. Running, 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 running. I'm running, and I'm listening to a uh, Zen podcast, and it's Sylvia Borstein, and I love listening to her talk because she sounds like she's she sounds like uh, your grandmother has sat down and decided to take time to tell you how the world really, really works from a, from a wise and kind elder, you know? And I don't know. There's something about that distinct personality that, that it's just like listening to my grandmother telling me, you know, um, what to do and what not to do. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so she's one of my favorite Zen teachers. And um, she was talking about, this wasn't the main point of the talk. Um, and this is a relaxing run. I'm just going easy. Uh, and and they, uh, these talks are like an hour long, so it's really nice to listen to. And um, something she mentioned at one point during the uh, talk was... Um, you, or maybe it was somebody else, she, she invited a couple of other people at the end to get up and, and talk as well. But you steer the ship with a rudder, right? So that's the general direction that you're going in. And, uh, and it made me think about how um, well, and it made me think about how people get worked up oh and it's something 
this is hard to transmit here. Um, so she was saying something about whoever was talking was saying something about being calm despite it, and you know, keep the rudder, uh, keep calm despite distractions and despite all this other stuff. And like a boat, you know, steer with the rudder and kind of aim where you want to go in the general direction. And I thought, yeah, you know, a really good analogy, a metaphor for all this is is the ocean, and a malaphor. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I, uh, but the, um, the ocean is you and a boat with a rudder or any kind of boat it doesn't really matter you aim for where you want to go and as a as a pilot a boat pilot or as a captain it could be either depending on the ship then um, you you're not concerned about the waves, the up and down of the waves, right? That's not the issue. Um, and there's going to be waves, and they're going to push the boat up and down, and it's going to be quite a scene with how much you go up and down, you know? Um, but a good captain, unless it's disastrously steep waves, big waves, uh, you don't really worry about it that much. Um, they are just what they are, and you keep the boat pointed to the coordinates or the the direction that you want to go. And um, and I thought, yeah, that's a really good analogy for or metaphor for life. That you have um, your goal. Let's say you're college aged and you want to you want a degree. The goal is the degree, and you're going to have ups and downs. You know, of um, a bad grade in this class, great grade in that class. One of your um, one of your uh, student friends gets into a car wreck, and, uh, and it's bad. I mean, like bad, bad. And um, that's a down, you know. And then the up is uh, oh, you got a new boyfriend or girlfriend, you know. Um, but don't let that distract you from the goal. What is the goal? The goal is to walk out, walk across that stage and get your diploma, you know? And um, it's always important to keep in mind what is the goal? You know, what's your longer-term goal? And we're not talking like end-of-life goal. Maybe, maybe. But in general, like what's your goal for today, you know? And don't let the ups and downs. The ups and downs are just waves. And don't let it... Um, uh, mess you up, you know, and uh, what's your goal for this race? What's your goal for this year? You know, what's your what's your goal for the next 10 years? You know, uh, you want to save up and get a house, you know, buy your own house? Well, that's your goal and let the waves up and down, they're, they're going to happen, but don't let it uh, mess you up too much. So if you look at, the thing is to not let the waves bother you and distract you from the goal and angst and, oh my gosh, you know, this wave, whatever, because there's going to be another wave behind it. And, uh, but then it also made me think of something that I wanted to tell you guys that I, I think is so funny. It's, uh, my dad loves to sail and, uh, I grew up sailing all the time. Uh, and my dad handed me the rudder of the boat or the wheel of the boat and, uh, saying, okay, we're headed that way. You know, those trees over there on the far shoreline, you know, aim for those. And uh, and then I remember one time he goes, okay, we're headed to that over there. So there's like a marina, you know, over the horizon, pretty far up. And he said, aim for that. 
and then he said, well, actually, uh, we're, that's, that's where our destination is, but aim for these, uh, trees to the left of it. And, um, that big stand of trees way over there, like a quarter mile to the left of it. And, um, and I'm like, uh, well, why? And he said, um, <laughs> it may have all been in one sentence, da, 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 but aim over there to allow for slippage. And I go, what? And he goes, to allow for slippage. And uh, <clears throat> he said, the wind, because we're in a sailboat, the wind is going to push us from, uh, the wind's coming from uh, port to starboard, which is left to right. And uh, sort of, depends. And the um, if you're facing the bow, it's from left to right. And he said, uh, the wind's coming from port to starboard, so it's going to push us starboard. You know, so you want to aim a little bit to port to allow for slippage. The wind's going to push you sideways. And I just started laughing. I was like, I go, Dad, that's something you can say all the time. And I kept saying it. I, I still to this day don't know like how much he knows that that affected me and how often I say it just walking around the house, you know. Um, I'll, I'll put something on the stovetop and I'll be cooking and I'll put it off to the side a little bit. And Emily will be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, it's to allow for slippage. Or like I'll put extra material in something while I'm working with, um, uh, I don't know, uh, lubing the chain on my bike or something like that. And Kyle will say, why do, you, why do you put so much on there? And I'm like, oh, to allow for slippage. <laughs> but anyway, that's a metaphor for life, right? Um, aim for your target, but also take into account the uh, prevailing wind direction. And you got to overcompensate a little bit and against it. Not much, but just enough to allow for slippage. So I'm going to get on the, uh, get on the bike. Oh, time management, allowing for slippage. Oh my God. Woo. That's the whole thing. Uh, figure out exactly how long you think a project's going to take and then double it because that's how long it'll probably really take. And uh, man, this afternoon, I'm trying to watch a video about something I need to know for work. It's a training video. It's 11 minutes long. It took me three hours to watch this 11 minute long video because of all the interruptions, right? That's your slippage right there. And what I should have done was close the door to my office and uh, and watched it without anybody bothering me. But anyway, we all learn little things kind of here and there. All right, that's it. I'm gonna go for a bike ride out, bang. Hey dudes, oh man, it is Saturday early afternoon and I'm in my living room. <laughs> I got a comment on that in a second and uh, I'm doing some coaching and I needed to make a, I need to make a training log note on some, some stuff I did uh, yesterday and today. It just started raining outside and first comment is over the years I finally worked on Emily to allow bikes in the house um, instead of her constantly telling me to put them in the garage put it in the garage put it in the garage put it in the garage now she's uh, seemingly like blind to them and um, I'm looking right now and there's a uh, a bike I have a well, see, the thing is is nice bikes are works of art and they're beautiful beautiful works of art and um, hiding them in a garage, you don't necessarily have to do that. You can appreciate them 
by uh, by leaving them out, and then they're more accessible. So if you ride your bike a lot, you can just grab it and go, you know, without having to dig it out of the garage or or wherever you keep it. Depends on your your living situation, what you got, and um, the thing is, is to find a place in your house to to kind of lay them that's kind of pretty, and um, so anyway, I've got this uh, road bike, a True North Titanium Custom Road Bike that I got as a part of a sponsorship thing a while back, and I love this bike, it's beautiful, and um, it's, uh, I found a nice spot for it, it's laying up against the fireplace, it's really cool, um, it's out of the way, and then um, the tri-bike, I think I found a new place for it leaning against the wall in the hallway that's kind of out of the way. But actually right now it's up on the, um, it's up on the uh, bike stand in the, in the pain cave where um, uh, I, was, I had to take the rear wheel off and uh, replace the batteries and the power tap. His batteries were as dead as dead can be, and I don't, I'm not sure why. What was up with that? But anyway, the, um, first off, I just got this email from somebody, John Morgan, a guy that um, I helped out with some podcasting tips, turned around, he turned it around during the phone call and really helped me more than anybody, and I helped him. <laughs> so, um, uh, John Morgan, and he works with pools in Florida, I believe, and he said that your teeth will get eaten up by, along, along with everything else, uh, but swimmers have problems with uh, pools eating up their teeth because of low pH, which is acidic. Uh, the way to prevent it is simple, quick, and easy. Take a phenol red pool test bottle to the pool. Put one drop in the pool. If it turns red, jump in. If it turns yellow, stay out and yell at the pool tech. Oh, and I just sent him an email back saying, do you have anything to, online? And uh, but actually, he provided a link inside the email. Hmm. So this is going to be really bad pos- podcasting. I'm trying to um, uh, dental erosion. So alkaline pH might be a potential cause for erosion. All right, now common economic principles be chlorinated with chlorine gas. Oh, my high school pool was like that. Instead of hypochlorite, which leads to the formation of acids interacting with the pool water. This gives rise to an acidic environment with pH ranging from 2.7 to 4. Whoa. Proper buffeting is required to maintain the pH of the pool water be between 7.2 and 7.8. When I was a lifeguard, we had to test this with a little clear a little testing kit. Um, so, uh, buffered through the addition of soda ash. Um, so anyway, he's saying you should get a bottle of the pool testing stuff. There's a pool store near my town. And, um, here, uh, they're talking about in India, uh, they have this problem. And now they're talking about a sample, age and race, clinical foot and dental erosion, rough surfaces. Data is collected in a form of structure questionnaires. Analysis results among 35, okay, 100 swimmers, 90% had dental erosion and 94% had rough surfaces. The present erosion was found to be more than increase, was to be more with increasing duration of swimming per day. Those who are regular swimming for 
Less than two hours showed 20% DE and 40% RS. Those swimming two to four hours showed 93.9 DE and 96.3 RS. And those who were swimming greater than four hours showed 92.3 DE, dental erosion, and 100% RS, respectively. Holy crap. Okay, so I swim about an hour a day, three times a week. So I don't think maybe in my case this is too much for me wow this is really interesting okay i need to put a link to this on the um on the blog god please brett don't forget i always forget to put stuff on the blog um i'll tweet it so if i don't put it on the blog look at my tweet history from uh, Saturday, the 28th of June, and then you can find it. And, whoo, okay, bike ride today. Um, I saw Doug. Okay, um, I've switched over from doing um, classic. Well, I don't think there is a really good description of polarized. Um, polarized is... Uh, of the, there's not a really good description of the hard part of polarizing. You're like really hard intervals, kind of medium intervals or whatever. Uh, sweet spot training. I need to do a podcast just on sweet spot training, but it's it's sub threshold. Uh, and threshold is the hardest you can go for an hour. So it's it's um it's firm and it requires focus, but it's not much harder than that. And yeah, I'm gonna save that for another podcast and go over that in detail. But um, I was doing sweet spot intervals. Um, uh, last night's run. Oh, starting with yesterday morning's swim and then last night's run and then this morning's bike ride and this morning's bike ride. The uh, That's something I can measure pretty easily and see if I was going faster or not. And wow, man, nice. But a lot of the, a lot of the increase in power is from um, the, the harder intervals I've been doing that are spaced out. But um, I'll talk about this in a future podcast, but sweet spot intervals, you can do more of them um, and you can do them workout after workout after workout, you know, pretty much every day. But then say you do them like three, four, five days in a row, um, five might be a stretch. I don't, I don't really know. I think it kind of depends. Then, um, then you need to, you need to take a break. So it's kind of like uh, build, 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 break, build, 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 break. And, um, oh, the sun just came out, squirrel. And... Let's see, I was uh, riding just a two-hour ride this morning, and lots of sweet spot mixed in, and I uh, saw the huge cycling group in town, which was really cool, and stopped and talked to them for a minute. Um, I averaged in a two-hour ride with lots of wind, it was really windy, and 2,000 feet of elevation gain, uh, 2,100 or maybe 2,600 or something like that, and forty. I, I went 44 miles. Um, at averaged 21.1 miles per hour, which is nice. That's a nice. Oh, and then um, fueling, man. I think I've really, really opened some doors with, uh, with, with my training potential and ability to improve by um, finally, finally zeroing in on some good fueling uh, that seems to work for me really well. And... Um, it's a mix of complex carbohydrates, which uh, 
gosh, if I already talked about it on this podcast, I'm sorry, but what is it? Um, what am I using? Oh, brown rice flour, um, which is, uh, you can get at the grocery store. Um, and then, so that's kind of a whole grain flour. So that's a uh, complex carb. So that's slow burning, uh, maltodextrin, which is fast burning. And then, uh, like a teaspoon or a couple teaspoons of, um, chia ground chia seed powder which um has a little bit of protein a little bit of fat but not really i mean it's just something to kind of add some to slow down the power and then uh, a tablespoon of honey uh, for every hour and then uh, a few pinches of salt and oh and then matcha powder which is this green tea you can order it online and it stuff's really hard to find in a grocery store I heard maybe you can get it at Whole Foods, but I don't know. Um, I ordered mine from Amazon. And matcha powder is uh, ground up green tea leaves. And so it's basically green tea, but it includes the fiber from the leaves. So it's a really nice mix of high power, fast absorbing, and um, slow, and also slow absorbing stuff. You know, the chia seeds and the green tea powder and the because that has some fiber in it. And the brown rice flour um, are slow, and the honey and the maltodextrin is fast. And uh, the mix of those together seem to um, uh, be perfect. And anyway, so I'm riding along and dosing myself with sweet spot uh, intervals. And being the cool thing about sweet spot is you just, you just do them when you want to. And what I did on the ride is I, I, uh, and you do them for however long you want. It's no big deal. And as you get better and better and better at them, you can do sweet spot for hours on end actually. Um, but you're going to need a lot of recovery if you do like, like that. But you, well, the other thing is it depends on how much you're used to. The more you do, the, you can build up to doing lots and lots and lots. That's what people do is they build up doing more and more sweet spot training. And um, until they can do, sorry, I got the hiccups, a couple hours at a time, maybe three hours at a time. Holy crap, I got the hiccups. And, um, but anyway, what's cool is you can, oh, what I was doing was I was uh, doing it whenever a harder effort would be advantageous to a faster overall uh, time for my entire ride. So riding into the wind. Um, I would do sweet spot and then, um, riding uphill, I would do a sweet spot. And so basically I was taking breaks from it. So those were like intervals and they were just however long it took, you know, to get out of that situation. And then, um, and then downhill or, or, uh, with the wind, uh, I would just cruise easy. And that's actually like a really effective way to race that you, um, uh, if, if you got a tailwind and you're going downhill and or then you don't really need to push all that hard because nature and the terrain is already pushing you pretty fast. So you can already go fast and um, then the energy you're saving kind of helps you uh, recover. What I've noticed with the sweet spot stuff, what it does is it also um, allows you to, or with the fueling, it allows you to digest and absorb the fuel that you've taken in. And then when you, um, 
then when you do turn into the wind or need to go uphill, um, you've got energy to do it. It's pretty cool, man. Um, but 21.1 is pretty freaking nice for, oh, uh, low average heart rate. Let me see if I can pull it up here. What was my average heart rate? I had it here somewhere. Uh, moves count, which I use. Oh, what's cool, man. Oh, it's so rad. Oh, um, God, Sunto automatically uploading the Strava. Oh, it's so freaking rad. I love it. What I've noticed with the uh, sweet spot, yeah, I can sweet, I can sweet spot workout yesterday morning, yesterday evening, this morning, and um, and just keep on trucking, keep on trucking. Um, <laughs> average heart rate of only one twenty-five. <laughs> oh man, that is rad. That's a good workout. All right. Well, I need to get back to coaching. If I think of anything else, I'll hop back on over here. And, uh, oh, Western States 100 is today, man. It's pretty cool following it on the interwebs as well as I can. And uh, I think Max King and Rob Carr are kind of in the lead. And those are the two to watch right now. But those, these things are really long, you know, 15, 18, 20-something hours. And uh, it kind of depends on the day and, and the heat. And who's uh, uh, somebody can be winning for 90 miles, <laughs> 95 miles, and then just blow up and then get past, you know. So it's a lot like Iron Man, but even, even longer, even harder. So, all right, I'll be back in a bit. Out, bang. All right, folks, I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios. And lots of stuff to catch up with. Um, holy crap, I had a, a couple of days of just feeling Blah, no motivation. I'm just sitting there at work, like staring at the computer screen, going, and the voice in my head's going, freaking work. <laughs> and my body and my willpower is going, no. And in the back of my head, the voice is going, you got crap to do, do it. And then my, my hands won't touch the keyboard. I just sit there going, whoa, like that. And um, I think we go through this everybody does where like you know you're not you want to do stuff but you just don't have the energy or something like that and uh, I was like man and then I noticed also at the same time I was uh, really hungry and hungry for anything you know so like in one day one half day I two or three uh, no it was three TV dinners they're all healthy and stuff like that, but I'm just saying, you know, like, and then I also went to a water burger, which is Texas's kind of own Burger King and got, you know, a burger, no fries though, but I got a milkshake and I've learned, um, a lot of the problem is, um, not enough calories for the work I was doing and you end up with low energy and then, um, uh, uh, low energy and, and then hungry. And, uh, what you should have done is eaten more calories and carbs, uh, while you were, um, training and as recovery and then 
because you didn't, now you're in a, a negative hole and you're trying to work yourself out. And then the problem is, is you start over overeating, well, eating crap food to comp to to compensate and get your calories back up. And because it's crap food, because you're so hungry, you can't make good choices. You end up eating worse food and uh, things like hamburgers and milkshakes and stuff like that, trying to get your calories back up. But anyway, um, live and learn, you know. But that reminds me, I was on slow twitch and there was this thread <laughs> and it just shows me, I mean, to me, it's so obvious. It's, it's almost a stupid question, but it just shows you, you know, where we are in society with trying to do stuff and, and, uh, how, how much a lot of us have to learn. Um, because I was probably the same way when I first started out, somebody said, Hey, I went for a three hour ride and then I have no, a three hour workout is what they said. I'm not sure it was a ride. It probably was um, a three-hour workout, and now I have no energy. What? Why? You know? And I mean, at least they're asking. The only dumb question is the one you don't ask, I guess, mostly. And then somebody, somebody said, "Well, what'd you have to eat?" And uh, he said, "Oh, you know, I woke up and I had a banana and an apple, and then during the ride, I had another banana and another apple." And everybody was like, dude, what the hell, man? A three-hour, you know, workout. Workout. How many calories are you burning, dude, in a three-hour workout? Like, oh, my God, 600 um, times three, 1,800 calories? How many calories are in two bananas and two apples? You know, 400, maybe, maybe? And you're, it's like, uh, oh, I got some aggressive drivers behind me. You people need to calm down, dude. Seriously. And the, um, so what, what are, you're at a, you're at like a 1400 calorie deficit, you know? And then you're like, why? And then, and then the thing is, is when people try to tell you that you're not eating enough, you're like, oh, I'll try another banana. You're like, a banana is 100 calories, man. That's not freaking enough. You don't get it. You know, this stuff is, uh, triathlon training is not commensurate with, commensurate with, uh, with, with eating, just kind of poking around with your calories and stuff. You will get exhausted and you will be very, a very unhappy person. So, um, this Mercedes is trying to jump in on me. It's pretty amazing. Um, hold on, that threw me for a second. Dude swerved at me with his Mercedes. <laughs> if I was driving a Mercedes, I'd be driving pretty defensively. Anyway, the um, and then this weekend. I was helping yet another person on a long list of triathletes that is uh, dealing with lack of energy and depression, stuff like that, from um, not eating enough uh, calories, uh, carbs specifically, not eating enough carbs uh, while training. And um, we've fallen into this current, very current culture of low fat or high fat, low carb. And, um, and we've convinced, some of us have convinced ourselves, you know, that we shouldn't drink, uh, any kind of juice, 
and that we, uh, you know, fruit and bread and stuff like that, you know, should be totally stayed away from. And, you know, that might work, might, big might, if you're not exercising. But once you start exercising, man, your carb count goes way up. And I was explaining to uh, this person that it's re- it's relative to the to your burn rate. So um, I was just listening to Endurance Planet last night, and Ben Greenfield, who I firmly blame <laughs> for a lot of this, um, but I do like Ben. But I blame him. I can do that. I can I can like blame. Um, for a lot of this, uh, is, um, he was saying, the thing is, is he's saying stuff and then people are picking, uh, they're cherry picking certain things and then trying it and then it doesn't, and then they end up having trouble, but they're not listening to the whole message. So for example, last night he was saying, you know, if you're trying to go, if you're trying to go low carb, if you're not exercising at all, it's 50 grams of carbs a day. And then once you start exercising, it starts going up and up and up grams of carbs. So um, he was up to 200 grams of carbs if you're doing longer workouts. And um, that's a lot. That's a big difference. And, uh, and I'm not saying also that people are dumb for falling into this, into this habit and then getting uh, funkified depression over this stuff. I am one of them on my list of like four or five people that I know personally, um, that started suffering depression from not eating enough carbs and mixing it with triathlon training, which is the most intense training sport out there. It's the most carb heavy sport. You're training for three sports, not two, but three, right? You're burning through carbs like crazy. Um, uh, the, the first person that I met that was having trouble and had to get on happy pills to uh, get out of the funk was yours truly right here. I'm pointing at myself, me, you know, and that was tough to figure out, man. You know, I had to get help and like start talking to people. And then I, I stumbled across the, uh, the whole answer myself. And then once I found that, I started chasing it down and finding out more. But anyway, um, I am, uh, what did I do? Oh, I ran this morning, had a nice, oh, the, the couple of days where I, I was feeling funky because I hadn't eaten enough, um, I still went out and exercised, it polarized, you know, just went out and go, it went really, really easy, and um, I was doing that, and the, one of the reasons that I burned through all my glycogen reserves, all my carb reserves, and needed some saving was, um, this past weekend was, uh, needed to eat a burger, um, and a milkshake was long bike ride, oh, longish, but more intensity mixed in, lots of intensity mixed in. And then, um, what was it? Uh, and I think I didn't eat enough to compensate. And, uh, but the polarized thing is go super, super easy until you feel great again, right? And that's what I did. I uh, cut my workouts down to a, a quarter of what I usually do. And the quarter that I did, I just kind of plodded along and went easy. Just kind of some sanity, uh, enjoyment, kind of poking around. I think on Twitter I posted that I went poking around on the bike. And um, then uh, I swam yesterday. That was pretty good. And then I ran this morning and it is hot. 
Oh, and Kona is starting to get seizures, and we think it's related to him running in the heat at night because he has the seizures at night, and um, Kona's our big black lab, and um, uh, we're trying to figure out if it's after I take him running and then later on at night, much later on at night, he has a seizure because one vet said that it could be related to hypoglycemia. And we don't give him more food. We were thinking, I was thinking about it. It's like, I don't give him more food on the days that he runs with me. And uh, he could be having low blood sugar. If that helps cause um, uh, seizures, then, uh, then the, you know, running and also heat, the stress of the heat um, could be the, the mix. So we're switching up and not taking him. And they, we've noticed he's had more seizures now that it's summer. And... Um, so what we're doing is changing our behavior and changing, yeah, changing our behavior. So I'm taking them only running in the morning in this heat in, uh, when it's cooler. And then with, um, and of course, shortening the runs. I've done that already. And then, um, and now I'm giving him uh, food, extra food on, on uh, times that he runs and hoping that'll help. So we'll see. All right, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK. Out, bang. All right, it's a beautiful Wednesday morning. I'm leaving the pool. And here's the sounds of putting my crap in the... My wet swimsuit crap away. Here we go. Um, and while I'm doing it, I'll tell you about something cool. Oh, man. Been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Freaking love it, man. I really encourage people to, to check it out. Um, and what I've found is that the reason I'm trying to figure out why I like it so much and there we go there's the wet swimsuit towel and goggles swim cap into the Xterra roof box I need to unlock the vehicle so I can get in it um, I like it that he the podcast is like three hours long and they're just talking about nothing you know, but they're talking about cool shit, <laughs> and I, I've i learned years ago to not really have an opinion on people, and uh, before I really get to know them, and even after I get to know them, to reserve my opinion, because people change, not, not act on my opinion too much, uh, because people change, and and uh, um, people are different in different situations. Somebody that's a, a jerk here can be really nice there. Hitler used to write poetry to his uh, poems about his mom and do beautiful paintings. I mean, so I mean, people are pretty freaking random. Here's an Amrita bar. Um, and. Uh, I'm going to chew away from the mic. Okay. But I guess I was kind of thinking that Joe Rogan was a little bit of a meathead and probably wasn't all that bright. And was that pot growing in the median? Um, but what I've come to find out listening to him 
is, um, oh, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan's, I guess, because he was on news radio and I loved Andy Dick and Joe Rogan on news radio. And also the, um, the owner of the news station was pretty good too. And the, um, what I really, really like is Joe Rogan, um, doesn't assume too much and then uh, learns stuff on the radio and changes his opinion about things the moment that he finds out that he that he's wrong, right? Um, wrong, right? The moment that he finds out that he's wrong, he changes his stance on stuff and says, oh, well, that's cool. That's really interesting. And then also, he um, and that makes you smarter. And you keep getting smarter and smarter the, the more you're willing to accept reality and then use it and then um or something else that he does uh he'll take a when he doesn't know something they'll get right on the internet and google it and uh and then find out i mean that's exactly the kind of stuff that i like to do you know i can change my opinion on anything once i find out that i'm wrong i'd rather be I'd rather learn something than just be right. I'd rather be right than be wrong about being right and just be right, right? But um, <laughs> if anybody's able to follow that, congratulations. Uh, then uh, another really weird thing is he doesn't introduce the guests at the beginning of the show. So you have no idea really who you're listening to, but then through the show eventually you find out more and more about who this is and usually by about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the podcast they um you start going who is this guy and then you google it and it turns out it's somebody that's really important you know that's really cool and joe never even introduces him it's really weird but i like it anyway i'm uh cruising to the W to the ERK, just did a nice, nice swim, and I'm really digging the uh, sweet spot polarized intervals, Um, go hard when hard, go easy when easy, Uh, lots of rest in between, and um, man, it's really cool stuff, it's so, it's so different, and so deep with with uh, what it does to you, you know. Um, the today on the swim, because I was going super easy between my intervals, I was actually able to talk to a few people about stuff because uh, it doesn't really matter if I was swimming or if I was just walking and talking, you know, just kind of cruising along. And then I, I get about four or five minutes between intervals, and then I go, okay, well, cool, I got to do an interval, bye, you know, and then boom, eight minutes, and then. Um, four by eight is what I was doing in the pool and four by eight is what I did last night on the bike and it's working my power numbers are up I feel fantastic doing it and what's interesting is you do um, if you're doing this you do eight minutes an eight minute interval it's pretty long and then uh, as you get further and further into it you go oh man that was I was going too hard in the beginning you know and then and then the next interval you do you kind of go a little bit easier and then um or you get towards the end and you're like man I I got a little bit of extra in the tank you know I can I can use that up and eight minutes is long man and 
then <clears throat> man I need something to eat <laughs> I gotta keep eating Amrita bars for the win and hold on hold on I'm uh, cruising along and and really feeling like like in a race because you're doing these eight minutes of sustained and you they get a little bit harder towards the end you it really teaches you how to um, pace yourself you know so I'm sitting there thinking man in a race I would really know you know how hard to go and uh, because of doing these doing these intervals, there's a problem when you just do uh, long and slow all the time. Where you um, when you get into a race, you go too hard because um, you don't have any practice going hard. So you don't know that going as hard as you're going is going to burn you up, you know. So from practice, doing eight minute long intervals, you're like. like man if I keep this up I'm gonna blow up you know because I'm I don't even go this hard in an eight minute long interval and I and I um towards the end of eight minute long interval I'm pretty cooked you know so I should probably slow down it's really good stuff looks like we are going to Tennessee oh I love absolutely love the lake house it's a wonderful place i just hate the drive man i wish it was closer i'd go all the time anyway i think that's it i need a cup of coffee all right out bang all right i'm at the house zentri studios and uh, i just let the dogs in and i was also listening to um a zen talk by jack cornfield who is really quite the amazing Zen spokesperson. But I don't want to start talking and have Emily walk in because I'll get all distracted. Let me make sure she hasn't just pulled up. Oh, she's here. I'll come back in a minute. Out. Woo, I'm on the bike. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, back to what I was saying. I was just doing intervals on the bike. Oh, so good. I'll tell you about those in a minute. something that bit me on my arm. There goes my arrow bottle on the front of my bike is what's banging around when you hear that sound right there. Anyway. Okay. So, composure. face. Jack Cornfield was talking about composure and an enlightenment. Well, he was talking about an enlightenment and I was letting these two dogs in, two very different dogs and then uh, my very different cat, right? Different in his own weird way. But Jack was saying Nirvana is nothing more than having composure in difficult situations. Well, in any situation. 
Oh, there's a snake. And then later in the show, later in the recording, talking about having, um, knowing yourself, you know, wisdom comes from really knowing yourself and your capabilities and such. And he didn't put two and two together. He's already put two and two together. He doesn't need me to put two and two together. But basically what was going on is uh, I put together. Uh, hold on, we got sweat out. I'll get to it eventually. I'm going to have to stop here. Now we can go. Sorry, intersection. Hey, this is what it's really like bike riding, you know? When you know yourself really, really well and your capabilities and what you're good at and what you're bad at, tree frogs, squirrel, then you can have composure in any situation. Right? So I'm good at some things and I'm bad at other things. And as I get wiser, as I get older, I realize, you know, what to do, when to do what, and what to get involved with, and what to stay away from. I notice it more and more. And then, because I know myself, I can uh, have composure in difficult situations because I can put myself in a difficult situation that I know I can handle because I know myself. Or if I'm in a difficult situation that I can't handle, I can either say, I don't know what I'm doing and defer it to somebody else and say, anybody else here know how to fly this plane? (laughs) Because I cannot land it. Now, once we hit water, and uh, people might need help swimming. Here, I might be able to help you out with that. But until then, anybody else here a pilot? That's not my area. And with all that, um, but it's being able to say that you're not good at something, you know, and looking for somebody else to take it over or just simply say, hey, I'm not good at this. I, I'm going to have to learn while I'm doing this or I'm not going to try very hard while doing this because I'm not interested in this. And uh, so I hope everybody's aware of that. And I'm not really interested in trying too hard or trying to impress anybody. You know what I mean? And we are very different with very, very different capabilities. And it's burned into us where there's some things we can change and work on, for sure. And then there's some things that we're just kind of stuck with. Hold on, I got some cars behind me. They're going to be mad when they see I'm talking on my phone. (laughs) Doesn't really matter, though.
So I'm letting these two dogs in the house while I'm listening to this. One is awesome at super fast speed. And the other one is awesome at just slower speed, but doing stuff all day. The super fast dog can't do stuff for very long. And not only is this, you know, probably, but you can look it up in a book on breeds, <laughs> what they do. And none of them, neither one of them, can climb a tree and uh, stick claws out of their front paws. But I do have an animal that is good at that. You know? And dogs don't have much of an ego, much. And get their feelings hurt. Some do. Depends on the breed. And, uh, so, you can tell they enjoy doing what they're good at. And if they're not good at something and don't enjoy it, they don't, they're not that into it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Because people always talk about dogs being little Buddhas or in, enlightened animals. You know, they're just always happy. They're in nirvana. Right? So, over time, get to know yourself and get to know your capabilities. And then, know when you're good at a situation and have composure. And then know when you're bad at a situation and you can still have composure. Because now you can say, I'm not good at this situation. There's some situations where you're not supposed to have composure. You know, you can freak out riding a roller coaster. It's a freak out session. You can actually pay money to be experiencing being out of control. <sighs> you can say, I'm totally composed and in control of being out of control. It's the way it's supposed to be, and I like it, and it's okay. But the whole point of all this stuff is to help you have your yourself kind of squared away so that um, you can both help yourself when you need help because you're more composed and you can help others when they need help. You know, you can be that person that while somebody's freaking out, that grabs them by the shirt collar and shakes them. And goes, wake up, dude, wake up. Come on, we need you to be in control because you're in control of yourself. <sighs> That's it, okay. One hour ride, mixed in longer intervals this time. And I uh, felt really, really good. Really good. Good numbers. Bike power's going up. And um, I found that eating ice cream after a strong workout was really, really nice. And then it uh, helps me recover better. helps me cool down and recover better. And then uh, what was the other thing? Also... Um, you know, five to ten minutes of going easy after you're done with the interval stuff seems to help recovery uh, better so that you um, 
get back on it. All right. I think that's going to be the end of this episode. I always have more interviews being lined up. Uh, things coming up. Uh, got some uh, supplements I'm going to probably try here pretty soon. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll do that live on the air for upcoming episodes. Um, it's really hot here in the Northern Hemisphere, so everybody stay safe out there. If you're down south, keep cool. Keep warm in the cold down there in Oz and New Zealand. And I guess South Africa. South America. And um, I think that's it. Man. <laughs> wow, this has been a good episode. Okay, everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, keep the rubber side down. Out.